we're discussing the second wave of feminism and its place in the Armenian genocide. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, yeah. yeah, I think I think I can definitely roll on the back of that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us and introducing us. That was a weight off my shoulders. Um, this is the Serpent Temple podcast. I'm going to use Psycast to delve deeper to the mind of Hal Sindon from Talonas. Be basically, 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 Psycards are like um, some people use them in a spiritual, divinatory way. I use them in a Jungian, psychological, therapeutic way. Um, each card is an archetype, for example, with cool artwork, this is a tree, this is the Enquirer card, this is how, as a card. Um, I've often thought that. <laughs> you are now a card. Right, good. <laughs> you are a card now. So basically the idea is um, you're going to shuffle the deck, you're going to imbue the deck with your spirit, and then we're going to spread out the cards in a particular formation, and where the cards are in relation to the Enquirer is where that archetype is in relation to you. And okay. we will flip over the cards one by one by one, and you will tell me if you feel any connection with them. I'll read a description in this here book, and, and you can see if anything resonates with you. Interesting, you saying about the union. Does this mean like at the end of it we'll have a nice little red book? Um, well, it depends how, how the spirits bless us. If they materialize us a red book, that'd be pretty sick. Um, but in the meantime, while you shuffle the cards, why don't you tell us about the kind of music you make? What do you do yeah. with your sound? So, um, the kind of music that I've... I've <laughs> That's a kettle of worms, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm something of a proponent and, and sort of defender of the fact that uh, the lines of, uh, of genre and subgenre are starting to blur, and rightly so. Um, so much so that I'm going to be as pretentious as to say uh, that my band make metal. I mean, that is undeniable, uh, because in its majority there, there, there is a lot of metal going on within the music, but with the amount of compound influences and everything else that we have, I, I, I'm kind of hesitant to, you know, we used to go sort of like, oh, you know, we're, we're sort of progressive technical death metal, like, yeah, all right, you know, and then I realized that little genre tags, literally hashtags on Instagram now are uh, king and they are currency. And uh, I put it this way, I, I just regard this as a, Musical band, and that's terribly self righteous. It's like, we could do whatever we want, we might be ready here next. It's like, no, fuck me, not. <laughs> you know, you know, just like for Akakoka cosplay, but you know, so basically, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. Basically, I, I discovered that I, I, I started getting because I run all the, the social media side of things, or rather, I decide that I do it, no one else does. Um, and <laughs> when I start pushing certain um, hashtags, we get certain responses, such as what was the one? Uh, atmospheric death metal is one that was a side that completely hit me as a side point, and then gothic death metal, which is just makes me think of people in really shit satin poet shirts and just crying over a rose. Yeah. Oh, oh. It's not very well for poetry. No, it's not. But it's not satin. And it's really important to You see, not, nothing against Germans. This is a xenophobic point where I notice there's a vast amount of German teenagers who don't find it ironic that they're wearing a velvet a poet shirt. It's complete and it's coloured like purple. Because Lord Park, we love the purple satin. Oh, sure. No, I didn't. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't for uh, my entire life. Um, basically, we 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 have our roots in death metal, mm -hmm. uh, but we also love stuff like Tears for Fears and everything else like that. So that's, that's what happens. 
I believe my, my whiskey is imbued into. into okay, that. well, keep holding it. I hold it. I'm just going to show you where to put stuff. So the first right. cup, all face down, a little bit of a jaunty angle on the Enquirer, please. Righty ho, I'm going to pop it the one that pleases me. Um, oh, yeah. Did angle it all as you, as you desire. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Okay, I'll and then so that. first card goes on top. Uh, face down. Face down, all face down. Mm -hmm. No revealing just yet. Yeah. Second card, second card here. Mm -hmm. Third card here. Can I just say, I've been waiting since the beginning for someone to do a casino shuffle, so I'm glad it's fine. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's because I can't do all the amazing, you know, we were like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll sock back in, like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get, like, Magic the Gathering sleeves so we can uh, shuffle them properly. There was seven. There was eight over there. Nine. So we might not get to these, but ten. All right. Eleven. 12, wow. 13, yes, yeah, this is a diamond formation, 14, 15. So basically, all these cards in the center are the archetypes that are closest to you. This is what's informing you, like, how you see all these things. This is your center. This is your underlying influence, things that drive you forward. These are coming into, like, fruition in your future, these cards on the edge, this is where you're going, this is your outer projection. Oh, it is directional, right, I see what you mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's right, okay, gotcha. What happens if I win? Um, we'll find out. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no one's won yet, so... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all losers. By the way, I'm an absolutely terrible co-host, I'm still learning, this is Floyd! <laughs> <laughs> He does incredible art. He's a Orch London on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Art is sick. Uh, well, it's just worth bearing in mind that, um, that he, when that's not a light, it's just his absolute. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolute brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> we are really lit by Orch, a benevolent benefactor. Thank you so much for coming. Orch, we love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> we legitimately love you as well. No, I, I, I really do. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's been what end. half an hour. But, <laughs> Are you not going to introduce me? Oh, this is true! <laughs> <laughs> so Thanks, babe! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. Uh, behind the camera is my boyfriend and partner and co-camera conspirator, Shem. Thank you for coming. Thank you for making it all work. Please don't edit me bad. <laughs> okay, so we've got that. Money! money. Interesting thing that it mentions that the the the, uh, the plowman guiding mm. 
that which is pulling it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's obviously you can raise a lot of stuff there and then being like, well, hang on a minute. This enormously huge four-legged muscle thing. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, I'm guiding it. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that horse basically flipped. Oh, by the way, for the sake of people viewing it, there's a, there's a very beautiful bit of artwork um, on, on that card. Oh, um, this is gorgeous. Yeah, you can't really see from over there, but I'm really used to it. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's very lovely. But uh, in, interesting conversations with it, that it's, it's sort of discovery rather than it coming to you. Yeah, yeah, like because the, there's a fortune card as well, which is like more of the traditional sense of okay. like the Stoic sense of fortune. Mm. Like what happens, what, hap is, what happens. Money, I think, is very interesting because it's about the fact that it's there and you're going to find it. The kind of idea of like maybe perhaps art being there and you're mm. finding your art when you're when you're writing, for example. Because mm. you, you haven't released music since 2014. Uh, yes, I suppose so. Yes, um, yeah. Which is uh, it's you know I think this year uh, for, for the want of future viewers, you know, having uh, at least in the UK spent uh, a vast amount of this year in, in lockdown due to COVID, and most of the world has anyway. Um, I think a lot of people have lost heart in certain pursuits and areas of their life, mm. um, and I have palpably felt a, a sort of uh, a pulling back in my own desires and interests within the musical side of things. Uh, there, are, that is a loaded comment because there is obviously more to it. But um, I think when anyone that has the benefit of having a cross-disciplinary um, interests within creative arts and everything like that. I have the benefit of, you know, I started off in film, mm -hmm. so for me to sort of pull back and go to another discipline, it's like, oh, I occasionally get bored of playing guitar, and as weird as we've had it this week, I've been like, oh, I miss drums, but um, I was able to pull back from music a fair bit over the last sort of year or so, and go, oh, right, yeah, but it's not that I've stopped creating, it's just I'm just doing, I'm still, funnily enough, because it's the next most logical thing, I'm still working with a lot of musicians who are my contemporaries, peers, and heroes. That uh, this is a shape of like people like my dad Bride, who massive influence on my band, um, who uh, you know it's, I, I haven't gone away going oh, oh that long hair business no 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 you know I'm just working with sh just jazz you know um, so I'm still working within that but I think releasing yeah with Talanas um, we've really been kicked in the nuts very hard uh, by a number of things. Uh, yeah, so there, there's been a lot of things that have um, uh, caused us to lag, and in fact, it caused the point where it's funny to bring this up, but uh, a, a person that I, I know and admire greatly who runs a, a, a publication called The Modern Alternative, Alex Figures, uh, reposted one of our earlier videos um, only this week and said, uh, you know, great band, really love them, um, but the, he said that the, <laughs> the wheels do not turn fast for Talonas, but <laughs> they're doing worse. So. That's really intriguing because when we began, we were like, uh, okay, well, we're going to release this EP, and then immediately we took oh, straight, we got the album, and then oh, there's other stuff. And so it's like, oh, and it's like a, a release per year, mm. you know, from when we started, when we were our first release was 2010. And then Woski, that's the reason I asked for it, Woski for 2011, and all this business like that, and we did all the stuff. And so, in my opinion, it's kind of like we don't. It's not that we do things slowly. It's just suddenly when it was like <laughs> vomit of stuff, and then suddenly like the mopping of the face happened for about <laughs> six years. You're planning the fields. I'll be ready again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not plan fields. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting first card. So that's like mm. your center. Right. It's very capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> that's number two. Mm -hmm. And behind. 
Door number two is I've beautiful Miss Debbie McGee. I've got to say quickly, just before yeah. the cards are revealed, because I can't get it out of my head when you talked about giving birth to a, <laughs> to a car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my partner was once asked. I was twins. The actual story is weirder than that. My partner was once asked to uh, write fan fiction about Transformers, no. and the, um, and the, specifically with the exhaust pipe being the, the place of insertion. Oh, but man. like, how did? Why was she commissioned? Uh... I don't know. I think she was writing uh, <laughs> fan fiction for um, Destiny at the time. I see. Which is a, a video game, and there's like mechs in there, so it kind of evolved from there. Oh, you put your mech. It's, yeah, it's my mech impersonation. <laughs> it's surprisingly lucrative. Yeah, uh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I found right, I hope I'm, I'm going to hideously sort of paraphrase it, but I, is it called Flash, which is the gay fanfic stuff? Uh, there's a lot of money to be had in that. Uh, You're gonna write that down. No, really. Yeah, because I, 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 again, nothing completely open about is that um, in this lockdown, where I've had financially just fucking nightmare, which is funny that it comes oh, up as money, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the card sale. I was like, where's my money? <laughs> just, I was just take that card. Well, I just couldn't take that card with me. Just try and put it in an ACM. Like, Come on. <laughs> um, but basically, I, 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 I lost a day job. Um, the month before we went into lockdown. Oh shit. And it was a company that I helped set up that I was the marketing manager for as well. Oh, and uh, so I went back to the next uh, last thing that I used to make for my income, uh, which is voiceover work. Oh, nice. And uh, some of the most lucrative voiceovers that I've done has been um, uh, basically kind of homoerotic fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which that's is amazing. Like, yeah, it's amazing in principle. Some of it isn't so good. <laughs> good in terms of a writerly sense, or yeah. I'm assuming that was, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of this absolutely fine, you know, um, but like uh, the odd occasion where you, you sort of realise what's, oh god, I've got to read like an entire, you know, novel where I'm going to be this particular character, and like, wow, that's really quite transparent, but purely out of interest. Um, the uh, it, you know, obviously now metrics is, is our currency in the digital age. You know, if you yeah. can get access to see who your demographic are, who the people are that are watching, yeah. that's just gold, gold dust. And one of the authors that I've, I've worked for quite regularly doing this sort of homoerotic sort of stuff, um, is uh, he actually got access to uh, metrics once, which is brilliant, and discovered that um, the median average kind of thing of like, if you were to embody a particular person that was his main listener, was a middle America married housewife. Oh. For male, basically gay porn. Huh. He also had the opportunity to get feedback from us, struck up a conversation with who we identified as kind of like, you know, Karen is Karen, and that's yeah. who it is, and got into a conversation with her, and thankfully she's very responsive, and said, Look, can I just ask, you know, you're married, obviously we're all into different things. What's going on there? It's like, yeah, well, my husband doesn't see it as cheating. Because uh, it's guys. Uh, hmm? <laughs> you can work that one out. It's like, I had it that a human's a human, but it's like, all right, you know, to a middle American, like, that's like, yeah, but, you know, in monogamy, but all. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's like, it doesn't count because no, it's, it's gay. It doesn't count because it's gay. It's like, it doesn't count because it's like, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very classical. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Anyway, skills. <laughs> we have the skills. Uh, uh, well, they're inverted. Ah, right. Uh, oh, so you have inversions massive. in this as well. And it's, it's number nine, so... I don't got the skills. Well, <laughs> it might be that you shuffled it upside down and the money's actually inverted, so we'll see what comes out most, oh, most God, invertedly. Right, okay. Um, the skills number, there's a typo in the book, so the skills is listed actually as number six. It's You're going it to die. It must be a typo. <laughs> <laughs> that looks fine, they're all the better card. <laughs> okay, a taut stringed crossbow with arrows in a quiver and two arrows which are stood upright in the grassy earth. I should show the camera. Very far away skills. The arrows symbolise the skills with which we are born and those we acquire through education. The card therefore denotes our talent, sporting prowess, expertise, cleverness, and the equipment we use at work and play. I thought this was very smooth. That's interesting. Mm. Very educated and skilled. But if it's inverted... Indeed. What does that mean? Would that suggest... I mean, does, I, 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 I'm a little lost on this with explanation. Would it necessarily apply that it's the difference between inherent skill and assumed? Potentially, I think I think the card is ambiguous for that reason. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think I think this this kind of deck thrives on ambiguity because then you can fill in what that you feel sense. is most appropriate for you. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it, it sort of brings up a sort of interesting prospect of like when people are saying that. Um, I mean, at the moment now, every trope and known term is sort of decreed somehow offensive to someone at some point, uh, and mostly with good intention. But uh, uh, something that. I how fascinating that people jumped on recently is saying, uh, "Oh, you're so, you know, to be too creative artists, oh, you're so, you're so talented, and blah, 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 which is obviously meant in, a, in a nice way, but there is a difference between talent and skill. Mm -hmm. Skill, you've developed it, yeah. you've educated yourself, you spent time. Whereas I think someone people put more value on talent as being inherited, because I think in this culture we think it's a negative thing if someone works too hard or something." Uh, yeah, I think that, it, yes, absolutely. I, I think also there's a considerable element of um, uh, a lot of people, I think it kind of comes down to that hideous thing that people say about, oh, um, someone's got a lot of time on their hands, which is a, which is a pernicious thing to say. Yeah. It's, 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 it implies that what you spent a lot of time creating to present as if it were idle <laughs> whimsy, and like, oh, I'll just do that, has actually taken a great amount of time, so therefore it's not of any worth. Mm. Talent rather than skill, and it's as seen in, you know, Britain's Got Talent and everything like that, which is a great thing mm. but uh, I think talent is used preferentially because it makes a number of people feel less shit about how they use their idle time. Mm. Skill requires that, you know, it's, I think someone, there's some totally arbitrary uh, like figure of calculation saying that you need to spend something like 720 hours or something like that doing one particular thing in order to have approach mastering it. Um, be that literally drawing fine art to operating a bit of machinery that isn't in any way expressive. Um, however, it is totally scary on the flip side of this. I have met people who uh, appear to have a sort of applied skill across um, f you know, formats that they didn't even know that were a thing. Yeah. Now obviously one could say that like, you know, I've, I've seen like, incredible musicians who were just polymaths but inherent polymaths, seemingly, that they were just like playing guitar and amazing someone, have you ever tried a violin? No, I haven't. Do it, do it, fuck! Suddenly become back in evening, like, But it's because it's, it's relatively transferable. Yeah. Um, but there, therein lies that sort of discussion of whether talent is in fact in, inherent. Um, can, can, you know, in my opinion, it's, I'm slightly more of the pragmatic and cynical side of things. No, I think 
the person that, that I'd literally seen pick up a violin and never having played one before produced passable notes rather than a cat being pushed through a baby kind of sound. Yeah. Um, is more that if you look at it from a broader perspective, well, they play a stringed instrument. It's relatively likely they're going to be good at another one if not they work out what the interval of the strings are. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I was brought up in sort of a, a, well, I mean, I suppose one could say an artistic family of sorts, but I mean, everyone is involved in performing arts in some way in my family. Um, so it's not unreasonable to imagine that a few of them were just like, oh yeah, well, I have a cousin that's <coughs> exceptionally good at, um, at landscape gardening. But that in itself is that she doesn't, yeah, she can dig in the earth and make an amazing garden, but she's very good at sort of designing from a uh, roots, <laughs> from the roots perspective of just like drawing down. Yeah. You know, sort of. Uh, it's composition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's, it's I, I am more of the, the opinion that it's nurture, not necessarily nature. I don't deny uh, that there is, uh, there are people who have, a, a skill ingrained, or that you know, it's quite likely that you know this particular type of bird is very, very good at kicking the shit out of ferrets or something like that because they, they're the only ones that have survived in the line of the ones that weren't good at kicking the shit out of ferrets and ferrets kick the shit out of them if not. So that I do get that that's fine. Why is it that a deer can walk within minutes of being born? Fine, morphic knowledge and whatnot. But is it talented for doing so? Uh, yeah, massively. I mean, I, 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 I like deer's second album, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a, a bit more quadrupedal. You know. Yeah, the pedestrian. But they are, yes, that's, that's, that's very, very intriguing that's inverted. Worries me slightly. Well, you could the money's inverted. Uh, oh god, they're neither good. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just symmetry. It could, be, it could be merely just innocent symmetry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pessimism of our. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die very soon. <laughs> and this is the bow card. Writing, hey? Never. Never. Oh, fuck. Money. <laughs> Money. Never. 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 Developed. I'm going to assume that obviously they are referencing Nevermore 
Yeah. You know, with yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to expect you to, to expand on that one too much unless you have a. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> I mean, one, one, one thing I will say though is, is particularly on that is that it does actually raise this this thing. I've been to, yeah, maybe too anti-American, but it's so terribly easy at the moment um, <laughs> that. There's a very considerable thing within American, um, shall we say, aspirational culture. You know, uh, was it impossible is nothing. Lovely. Me, then, that's, what, what, a, what a lovely sentiment. But that's not strictly true in the sense that, you know, I, I had this debate with someone recently about saying that, um, that, you know, there's a lot of certain areas of American culture and society where they're like, you can never say never and blah, 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 you can do anything, you can do whatever you want, set your mind to it. And it's like, that's, that's nice. But I've posited this idea that like the quadriplegic who just wants to run the marathon, saying that you know impossible is nothing. It's like that's a little uncouth, yeah. you know. But in fairness to the person I was debating with, they said, ah, well, you know, let's say Mr. Quadriplegic Tim or something, whatever, you know, who regrettably doesn't have mobility as an option, wants to go to the moon. It's probably unlikely. However, if that person so realise it and put their mind to something they could develop software that would maybe at some point put a quadriplegic on the moon. Yeah. Nice idea. But that's... Not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah. So as a blanket statement to say, you can do whatever you want, as long as you put your mind to it. And I don't want to be too defeatist about it, but that's a little bit like, yeah, but when what, what happens to that person that was told, you can do whatever you want, when they realise actual tangible reality is tangible reality? <laughs> when they realise that... Not really a thing, is it? There's a, there's a philosopher called Alain de Botton who talks about this. Um, he talks about meritocracy, which mm -hmm. is the idea that if you work hard enough, you can do anything. And he basically says it's bullshit because mm -hmm. it assumes that everyone's starting on the same platform, that the, the yeah. same amount of everything, love from their family, privilege, skin colour, all that stuff, and it's actually impossible for someone who's born in the same position as Trump than someone who's born in like a buttfuck town mm. in America who's like the wrong colour. And then to like, suggest that they didn't try hard enough. Yeah, like you know, this is the, the quadriplegic. It's not yeah. because he didn't try hard enough, you've not failed. And it, it gives mm. people a sense of failure when they don't achieve their dreams. Precisely, right? that's, that's my, my concern. Okay? Yeah. I think it's terribly worrying. Um, just interesting, I'm a fan of debate, I think he's fantastic. I love him, yes. Don't you think that you couldn't present, you couldn't paint a better picture of what a modern philosopher would look like. Nah, I was going to go Norman Lord. Oh my God! Yes, he's such a Norman. Effect French name, but very nice and very lovely about it. At the same he's time. so quiet, but yeah. he'll kick your fucking ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, he'll just draw a sword out and just, just like philosophically cut you up. Yeah, and everything I listen to him is just like I'm just gonna expecting just at the end of what he's saying. By the way, I've just bought your family. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll have things like um. Well, if you feel depressed and you think you're going to die, you probably will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that he's the ultimate arbiter of doing. He's just biding his time until he goes, by the way, we're all going to die, aren't we? <laughs> okay, thanks, Alan. <laughs> yeah, his YouTube video on Monday is like, you will be lonely forever. <laughs> <laughs> you're alone in the universe. <laughs> 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 That's the end of Botong. Oh, he's a good fellow. Oh, he's 
I just I love him. He has a series on YouTube about architecture mm. and why modern architecture sucks and it's great. Well, in in the UK, he goes to like new, new build um, estates in the UK and talks about like these gammon new build laws and he's just like, so tell me about these houses. They're like, oh, you know, it's it's just a traditional house and, and he's like, but why? Why have you done this? Mm. And he'll just go in the house and talk shit about these houses. It's Brilliant. amazing. It's have you ever watched much Jonathan Meads? No. If you like. To Bertrand's approach about architecture like that, Meads uh, is something of a cynical, well, I mean, he doesn't call himself a philosopher, but I would definitely say that he is. Cynical as hell, utterly hilarious, but started off as an architectural journalist. Amazing. So, yeah, but uh, it's, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, we've talked about architecture and philosophers now, so let's go to the book. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, right. Oh, yeah, well done. <laughs> Um, why is it that I know, is, is the tower, tower yeah, that is quite a prominent, or I don't know, I've just come across it a lot. Well, it, it's it's one of, I think, the more difficult cards that people think of when they think of the tower, because it's like a weird, mysterious card. Oh, okay. There's no door to the tower, and it means lots of different things. Yeah, oh. mind-blowing, huh? Interesting, right, okay. I shall read the tower. Where are the people who got it? Um, probably in the hill. Um, a castle stands on a hillside about a moat or a visible door. Proud, stern, and unyielding, the symbol represents achievement gained in the face of adversity and reflects sometimes the arrogant conscious mind, repressing the unconscious mind beneath it. It can often presage the pride that goes before a fall. It can also stand for male sexuality. Interesting. And it's not inverted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, I, from what everything means and reflects and everything else, um, I... Uh, Suffer from, or it's which way you want to put it, I'm either I am a narcissist or I suffer from narcissistic personality disorder. Mm. <clears throat> Best word to have your voice break on, by the way. Narcissistic Did I look sexy when I said it? <laughs> um, so, the, 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 the tower and all this, and all this phallic brilliance uh, is, is certainly relevant, but um, interesting about the point of arrogance crushing potential. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 for the longest while, I've been a considerable sort of proponent of. Um, Saying that you know a little bit of self-belief goes a long way. Um, I haven't. I've yet to meet a front person of a band or an act, a musical act, whatever it would be, who doesn't have some element of ego or, or, or extended narcissism in, in a way. And I don't have a problem with that. Of course, I wouldn't. I'm a narcissist. But it, I think that you know it, it, it is a terribly boring thing to watch someone who doesn't want to be on stage. And I don't mean in the kind of fascinating, interesting, Jim Morrison facing the wrong way element. I mean, I've watched, I've, I've, I've gigged with bands where you could tell that that singer is not going to be the singer for much longer. Yeah. My name's Chris, and sorry. Oh, bollocks. And it's not like something the song starts like, ah, but it's more like the whole performance is like that. Yeah. And. Of course, for me, looking for excuses to justify narcissism, I do feel that it's a terribly boring show to watch if someone hasn't considered themselves in that position prior to being in it. Projection, an egotistical projection, is, at least in my opinion, one of the absolutely vital precursors to a story being an interesting story to be told rather than read. Do you see a story as a performance? Um, yeah, absolutely, concretely. It's, it's, it's a huge subject, but one that I've been definitely, weirdly enough, wrestling with quite a lot this week. Mm. Uh, Andrew Garfield, um, who, if you remember, was in 
the Spider-Man movies that was oh, Toby Maguire. Second one, one wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he was the son of the Green Goblin. Oh, I'm, I've already lost on I don't mind my lore of comics very well, but I think he plays the son of Willem Dafoe, and then becomes the. Well, I think that's him. Yeah. But anyway, he's English. I didn't even realise this. Yeah. Right. Watch a few interviews with him. Fucking fascinating. What a dude. Absolutely brilliant. No ego in him seemingly whatsoever. But c comes out with this idea that's like, oh fuck, about the fact that the the story is God, not the perf person performing it. And he's a great opponent of uh, cele overwhelming celebrity culture. Um, but he's sort of like, why why am I being celebrated? I've merely been telling it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I, I that's a really interesting angle. But I can't help but think that let's boil this down to a really completely anachronistic concept of, we're, you know, if we're all involved in the creative arts, it's all about the, the fireside story. And it's like, yeah, when Ugg, your dad, is a good storyteller in the cave, but then it turns out that Grug from over the other cave does it with sticks. <laughs> You're going to go and watch the dude that does it with sticks because it's just more interesting. You know, Ugg's lovely. Good originator, but you know, Grog's got these two sticks, and it's wow. So I think every technological advance that you do, and every time that as tech advances of new, providing new ways of telling stories, the person that's seeing themselves in that position can plot themselves beyond it. And because of that egotistical drive, mm -hmm. it means stories have been getting better and better and better and better. I think there was a time where that ego was replaced by the divine, because you've got like the classical period where people would attribute all art to gods. So you've got like the notion of the genius where all like the Iliad, you've got like even I think Virgil might have done it where they were like, oh this was all, this isn't me, it's all God, I've got to be cool about this otherwise I'm going to get fucked up because in like pretty much most of the myths and legends, if you, if you like the one with Arachne, she mm. says she's the best weaver mm -hmm. and she weaves even better than Hera and Hera's like fuck off mm. and turns her into a spider because she didn't attribute her art to the gods and being as, as like an inherited gift that she's merely channeling at that point in time. It's, it becomes a, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Greek, the ancient Greeks were a model of, of you know, that, rest, that presents a lot of really intriguing arguments to them because of the fact that the gods being the originators of the humans made to worship them, which is echoed throughout all the polytheistic to monotheistic constructs. Yeah, absolutely. But there's always this counter-argument that comes up. And it's not just the modern bent for sort of, atheism, God's dead, everything like that. It's by no means modern, as everyone would know, but like, there's always been this counter-arguments, like, without us or nothing, coming both ways. Um, I was thinking, uh, I mean, this morning, that, about the whole business, in relation to the story of God, um, that we in the West have gone through um, several hundreds of years where if you, as a performer, performed anything that wasn't in some way divinely related, in celebration of God. That fucking ruined you'd, it. You'd be done. Yeah. 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 But it's fascinating to see that rather than a, a, a divisive step of revolution in, in art history, it was that people gradually started incorporating things that the everyman story became canon. Mm -hmm. And that, don't worry, don't worry, it's still got God in it. And we're still like, oh, you're so terribly big. <laughs> you know, all that stuff like that. And that was, you know, permitted and became part of the, the storyline. So. I think a lot of that came in with like Goethe mm. and um, the sorrows of young Werther, where he's like, I'm a depressed man, I'm gonna kill myself because I'm in love. I think that was one of the first, I think, stories where it's like an individualistic 
not one of the first, but it was like a, one of the first novels that were like about depression and suicide, melancholia and love. Mm. This kind of like exploration of this definitely narcissistic man that was called Goethe. Mm. Like being in love with a woman who didn't care about him or know who he was. Well, yeah. yeah. Which is a completely fruitless love. It's just like, yeah. But, um, it, and then like, hop, skip and a jump, Kafka. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it's... It is something I, I just find particularly intriguing that, you know, like for instance, like you've got the um, the civil war in, in England, you've got Puritans rather than Protestants going, mm. this is fucking it, we're doing it now, and they ban theatres, because <laughs> it's like, because that's ungodly, and they're rogues and vagabonds, and they're expelled from the, the city, and blah, 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 and after a long enough time, you suddenly literally getting, like, underground, you know, where, whereas you've had... The, the principle of like, oh, Catholics are banned and we're going to burn all the Catholics if you're not Protestant, blah, blah, blah. But then, and then you had like the Catholics literally going underground being like, oh, I can't like, I'm not saying that's it. That's fascinating. But in the Civil War, long enough into, into Cromwell's uh, reign, that <laughs> there were underground performance covens. <laughs> Just like, to be a lot what would Cromwell say? <laughs> you know, that's that is the question. But um, yeah, so sort of, I, I, I'm I'm always intrigued to see where art pushes this. I mean, now for instance, it's like I think it's reflected in stuff like this raining down on the sex industries and stuff like that, where you've got um, the sort of think of the children's squad, who are saying that all all outlets of pornography are uh, promoting child trafficking. Everything like that, you know. There's legislation being pushed, pushed that's going to follow the Nordic system, of like, the, oh yeah, it's, it's been passed. If sorry, not passed. It's been run through Parliament. It's passed one house already. I know that you can have spanking in porn. No, no, no. It's now going to be like it, they are going to re criminalise selling sex. Oh great. Yeah, because and this is the Nordic system because Sweden adopted it so very, 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 very hard. And if you want an example of the Nordic model, go and look at where it's extant and the amount of dangers that sex workers have been put under because they've been forced up around. Yeah. Totally terrifying. So, in a slightly roast interview, I can't help but think that, you know, you try and inflict restriction on something through which has come out of, you know, Pandora's box, it's going to be like, and then it'll go somewhere else yeah. and wait until it's legally going to come back out. Or find a new reroute, like when Terminator gets crushed in the house. Oh, that's way. Yeah, yeah. It really does, you know? Well, it's a long way to go around. So it's this tower, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah? I have a funny feeling that um, uh, gigs might be the same. I think it's going to get to a point where if there's going to be that many restrictions on the arts, it's going to get to a point where people are just going to take things into their own, their own hands. I, definitely. And, and I, I can't help but think that, that's, uh, that there are a lot of people who are wanting to sort of... That, well, they're paying for, for, for gigs anyway. Yeah. And the odd gig has been happening. Here and there, um, you know, the atrocities exhibit recently did one in the pub, and I was so pleased to see that because they're so fucking brilliant. Um, but the new norm that's supposed to be isn't going to be a norm. It's, it's, it's not. I, I would uh, hesitant to say it, but I really think it will almost be unrecognisable in the way that we're going to be gigging again. Yeah. But out of this will come something new. I'm going. You know, that's an optimistic view. Okay, and I, I feel positive about that. Where I will answer it with my. <laughs> ingrained pessimism. It's a, this is sad to say it, but I think in our, let's say, average or collected uh, generation, I have a feeling that it will be the next generation that are going to find and run with as standard whatever will replace it. Yeah. By that I mean tangible sales from the sales of art itself. 
Yeah. Okay. Gigging, uh, and including theatre, cinema, even consumption of, of, of that of media, and that, that, that you know, too many industries now are just clawing, clutching at straws. We have to find some source of revenue. And there's the public going, eh, I don't know, it's just free. <laughs> Why would you not? I, I, I got, I got leveled off really successfully by my ex-flatmate about the whole pirating thing. Because I'm so, I'm still riled about it. Like, why would, why is it unreasonable for me to ask for a little bit of compensation for what I've made? Yeah. But his point was completely. It's just like, please look at first of all human nature. He made the analogy of you're sat in your nice, comfortable flat, and someone from just outside opens up the window that's next to you. Goes, you know that meal you just ordered from Uber Eats, Just Eat, or whatever it's going to be delivered, and it cost you like thirty-five quid. Listen, mate, I'm just, just cooked you a nice Chinese meal. Just gonna leave it just underneath this window here. I'm not saying you have to do it, but you can if you want it. Yeah. Why would you not? Yeah. Like cancel the fucking Uber Eats thing. It's right here. Yeah. You know. So it's like and asking people to be like, you dreadful person. How can you steal my art and everything like that? It's like yes, but if you're in that position and it's the choice of do you want to spend eight pounds or not spend eight pounds, you can still get it. Most people, understandably, you're like, I've got bills to pay. <laughs> I know you have as well, but. I'd kind of flattered if someone stole my art. I, I yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe it depends. That. Depends where where I'm at. But I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's right. Because also, I'm just thinking about that. Sorry to cut you off. It's just like that's a really poignant thing. Yeah. I was warned about similar. That if in any let's say on record. Yeah. Principle, be it an interview or anything like that. Did this out. Yeah. No. Quite. <laughs> no. 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 Okay. No, 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 this is what's so important about it. <sighs> You could, if you were so inclined, quote a, a, a creator and go, like, oh, yeah, I'd be kind of flattered if that. Right, that's it. Free reign, guys, she doesn't mind. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, that's a problem. And I, yeah. you, can, you can be like, I'd be flattered, but please do like, actually support us if you like it. Yeah. You know? If someone was like, I'll check them out, I'll just down, I'll torrent it or whatever, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's it, what it, I would do when I was younger. I was cool right, so, right. Uh, right, so someone said to me, oh, right, so you didn't have limelight? Yeah. Everyone it was research. Pirating is research. I'm just, just seeing the field. You know, <laughs> I'm just getting free shit. Everyone wants free shit. It's fine. But um, I think that someone said to me, like, you know, when I was back, I, I issued a fair few DMCA takedown notices. And I unashamedly do that. I'll do it on YouTube sometimes. Right. Because they're getting money from your art, and that's different. Right. Okay. Yeah. If, yeah, if they're monetizing it, and but, you've oh, not yeah. seen the fucking yeah. penny, then no. But I've done a load of that, and, and people have been saying to me, like, well, okay, do you want it heard or not? So they think, you're not that big, come on, man, you're not I think it depends. Yeah. There's like 10 YouTube channels, which is what we had. Like, what we did is we were like, there's a really big YouTube channel, it releases albums in this genre, that we sent them our video, mm -hmm. and they put it up, it got 30,000 views. Mm -hmm. And then, like, loads of other ones started doing it, and we were like, well, you can't do that. Like, we didn't give it to you. You've drawn this imaginary line, it's yeah. fascinating. It is. It, because, and, 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 you know, Issue du jour, but that it's it's consent effectively. It is consent. Down. If you ask, if you approach us, you're like, we like it. I want to share it. Yeah. That's fine. We'll happily. You can do what you want yeah. if you ask. But if it's like, yeah, it's consent. If someone's just taking your stuff and then just yeah. making money out of it, they can be like, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, here am I now as the same with the cross discipline thing. But I'm just going to bring you back up. You know, I'm going to go back into film, and I'm really enjoying it. And it's great. But I'm aware we'll be we're gearing up to shoot our first short. Um, Next year, at some point, applying for funding, blah blah blah. 
So I've suddenly, now that I have this sort of angle of like, oh, what does it mean about free access to art and everything like that? One of my points on it was like, well, you know, I, I said to my business partner that be aware that up and coming filmmakers are putting up their, their pieces, their independent pieces, specifically on the solo movie, put locker, any you solo, as a distribution model. Interesting. They're hoping, and they'll design, you know, because I mean, if you're wise about it, you'll have a, a, a cover for your piece that looks like, that will apply to that market, a horror market or something like that. Yeah. A cover that applies to the drama and thriller. But there are some people designing their covers for their pieces that they're hoping will be lumped in. It's like, you, you want to, I don't know, watch the new Fast and Furious 42 or yeah. something, you know, <laughs> that or what number they're at now. And you, your movie happens to have a car in it. So you put it up to put locker and make it look suspiciously like the Fast and Furious cover. And it's like, bang, they're watching. Yeah. Basically. Yes. And it means even if they've watched a few minutes of it, if it's good enough, they'll continue more. But if not, they've at least seen it and gone, what the fuck was this shit? You're tricking people into watching your And own. using piracy, you see. That's so clever. It's an intriguing thing. But it's clever up to a point. Yeah, for distribution, kind of yeah, not for income. Yeah. And if you've got funding for your piece, mm. then you've been like, don't worry, that's loads of people are seeing. We've got an up and pot look at like, I paid for this movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's, it's it's when money comes in. So. Yeah, I think it depends on. I mean, it depends how big you are, how much you want to make. If you like break even, breaking even, like yeah, income models. I think for film, I don't know much about how to make money from film. I know for like. <laughs> Not as anyone. <laughs> I don't understand. Like they're so expensive, and cinemas don't work anymore. Like how do you? Like... Um, there's something that's worth considering that if you go onto IMDb or IMDb Pro more, but you can still access it, you can see box office returns. Yeah. Uh, it is folly to look at box office returns and say this film is successful based on its theatrical, theatrical income yeah. on the point of release because of the fact that, like, the simplest point of putting it is were the last three Star Wars movies, the proper, the main ones, right? Yeah. Were they successful? I mean, I would say yes. Yeah. Critically, yeah. maybe not. Uh, sure, critically. I yeah. mean, it's split opinions, but for the most part... Yeah, done well in the box office, right? Well, the reason critically, it may not be uh, that uh, popular, it means that people have seen it turn a bit positive. Right? So yeah. that's good exposure, okay? Um, the demon word exposure. Uh, but, if you look at the box office returns for, the, say, the first week, I mean, you know, it's a Star Wars movie, you'd expect a bit more. That is not their sole income. Yeah. Yeah, merchandise. Big mm. tentpole movies and projects such as that are made to sell toys. Yeah. Right. Their catchment is far, far broad. The cinema, frankly, is like a subsidiary part, at least secondary, to relaunching a line of myth. Well, no, Mattel don't have them anymore. Uh, I forget who it is that have that, that rights to it. But basically, like, it is designed so that you buy tertiary product. You know, everyone's like, well, you know, one of the good things about the Mandalorian is they're not shoving it down our throats. Really? How many Baby Yoda models are going to be given to people this Christmas? Yep. I've seen t-shirts, knock-off t-shirts, dude. <laughs> That's money. I've seen Baby Yoda fleshlights. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what? I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're licensed ones. But... Do you, can you fuck the eye? Because <laughs> they're just black cavernous holes. <laughs> <laughs> Was that he got a percentage of any merchandise, any subsequent merchandise? Clever man. 
And, and at the time, I think um, George Lucas was like, yeah, that's, that's all right. I mean, you know, if they didn't realize that merchandise would be something that would be so multiple and so, you know, stratospherically yeah. popular. But it's like, because they don't even know how much merch they have. Yeah. So much if it's known commodity, I mean, the thing is, as the flip side of that, just to highlight the slightly more depressing side of things, um, my late grandfather, we, we, we were sat down in Kent, where, you know, the, where we were, where we're from, and this thing arrives, and my grandfather opens it, and it's like, oh, it's that fucking thing. It's <laughs> like, well, what's that? And it's like, you know, it's a great big box set thing. The Donald Sindon collection. Who did this? I have no idea. Hang on a minute. Grandpa, are you, are you getting anything for this? No. So we looked it up and it's like 28 quid to buy it and everything like that. And he didn't see a penny from it. Someone sent it to him was like, you might want to see this. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get a penny from it because at the time of all those early films that were made from the rank organisation and everything like that, the TV was a possible consideration. Yeah. The concept of a repeat fee for anything, subsidiary sales, merch, whatever you have. No, people, it's a single use product, man. People are going to go to the cinema, they'll see it, and that's it, consigned to the archives, yeah. like everything else before it. But they never signed into any of these contracts that any of the performers or any of the filmmakers would ever receive a single penny from it because there wasn't a contract in it that stipulates repeat fee, net or gross. But someone I used to work with said, we could counter that. So just, just because there wasn't a clause in it doesn't mean it doesn't apply. Yeah. We never got to the bottom of it. <laughs> Legally, so, it must be an absolute... Oh, it's a, oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a cauldron, a bubbling cauldron of hatred. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So, well, right. Right, thanks, Carl. I'm assuming that one. Uh, you're correct. Right, okay. Unending sight. The voyage. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Motion of the ocean and everything like that. Alright, that is number 35. You get to the right place. This is like fake bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Lady 66. Oh, God, number 8, you're gonna die. She probably just blinked near a picture of an MG. I was like, that means we're gonna what that! And I bought, I was going to go and buy an MG Midget pre-84 edition. <laughs> and like, it was a beautiful car. Of well, hang on, one of the things I'm gonna need is a fucking driving license. So I went and took my test. And I told the guy that was teaching me, he's just like, you're not ready. Impossible, there's nothing! <laughs> Completely failed. 
and you know, fragile ego, ego of us at this sixteen. Fragile ego. <laughs> please have a chip, please. <laughs> I have an ego to be. Um, yeah, my 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 fragile little ego was sort of like, no nonsense, I can do this, and then was told like expressly that you are crushingly shit at doing this. <laughs> so I was like, never again. <laughs> and like, so I'm I'm just aware that at some point, you know, my wife and I and. Uh, very close friend, Jace, we're, we're going to like move out of London. And of course, you know, yeah, you move anywhere right. outside the green belt, it's like, can yeah. I catch a lift to humanity? Because uh, yeah. I need some milk. Uh, yeah. so, no, it's, none of us drive, so, um, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's going to be terribly important. In terms of actual voyages... Um, You're moving outside of London. Well, yes, that's a very fine point. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, well, we, I don't know. I mean, both my wife and I would love to move back to Kent because that's where family and friends are. But the, the idyll that we've set up with our, with our friend Jason is to buy some fucking huge place in the middle of nowhere that is a sort of multimedia studio for, for, for everything. Oh, for I literally had this little gym into it. Yeah, you know, yeah that'd be awesome. Yeah, it, it was so cool. Do you know what? We, we saw one place in Wales, and <laughs> this train station kind of goes, stops there, and then there's a hotel and you could, it was like 250 grand, like, yeah. what's wrong with it? Yeah. And it's its not that there's something expressly wrong with it, it's that the town isn't what it used to be, you know, for whatever reason, and uh, the hotel just couldn't keep up, but it's an 11 bedroom construct. Ooh. And yeah, you, you need, right, if you're gonna get that, you either run it as a business or you don't get it. It's so, an yeah, 11 venue music festival. Right. Well, <laughs> I had this idea. It's an 11 bedroom thing. You're going to have RSJ's structural points, okay? But you could knock through some middle rooms yeah. to make it even bigger. Yeah. Keep, the, keep the structures, that's fine. You, the pillar's great. You can yeah, yeah. wrap ivy around it and win it, you know. <laughs> but not, you can't go. Really, you know, you go like me. But yeah, so it's just knock through like some central rooms and you could, I mean, you could either make a recording studio or a, a, a film thing or whatever. But that would be enormously cool. But it turns out that you know, speaking to people who've owned you know houses over many rooms, you, it's this painting of the fourth bridge. You're, you're you're constantly you're trying to keep one bit from not being damp, and it's not just like oh, I dusted it, it's fine. It's like no, literally, the back room's going to fall off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you kept it damp for two weeks in winter, and now it's set in and you're fucked. And the neighbours will complain. Uh, well, All the sounds of the women being wrapped around the pillars. <laughs> yeah, um, God yeah. knows they're loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the pillars. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, that would be cool. But unfortunately, it's, it's one of these pipe dreams that's suddenly become more and more realistic now that you know uh, COVID has had its wicked way with us. And sort of thinking, actually, shit, we, you know, it's going to become untenable to be in London much more. Yeah. But I know that the minute we move out of London, we'll be like, man. I was a self-employed filmmaker in London. <laughs> yeah. you know, so romantic, the yeah. idea of, of, of being a poor, like, artist, well, I don't know if you have money, uh, of being <laughs> like, an artisanal figure in, in the middle of this city that has, like, a historically romantic relationship with artists. Yeah. But, you know, you'll be... And also very poor. Yes, definitely poor. It breaks, it breaks as well, the makes, I think, the, 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 this, this year city. It's a crushing boot. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 100%. Right. Okay, um, let me just do some counting. This is a bit. <laughs>
his hand in his pocket. He <laughs> <laughs> just put it out. Yeah, the all the Just don't want to get squeezed out of that again. <laughs> that was odd the first time. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to go literal with it. Okay, go. Um, my relationship with death over uh, the last, I would say, few years it's has been, been fascinating. Well, yeah, yeah, bad, but I'm bad in the sense of like the figures are bad. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of the sheer numbers. Uh, uh, yeah, lost a lot of people over the last few years. It's bonkers for different things as well. But in trying to sort of get, get like, garner some sense of positivity from it, it has been a hell of a, a, a teaching yeah. process. Um, Mm. To be somewhat morbid about it, purely on the basis of different types of deaths that I've suddenly experienced. Like I've had a number of friends over the last uh, year, I guess, uh, take their own lives. Uh, people died of na natural causes, some hideously unnatural causes. But um, I think it's, you know, there people have different pointers within their things like shit are we getting old? Like, are, are kids getting more annoying? No, you're just becoming more cantankerous. <laughs> Why are all my friends dying? Is one of the things. And that now I think, being 40 as I am this year, um, that there are uh, like increasing number of friends that I like, went to school with that are like, you know, they're losing a parent or something like that. It's like, shit, no, we. Oh, and I had this sort of moment of going, yeah, man, I do remember my dad's 40th birthday to the point where I did a calligraphy thing for it. So I was old enough to tangibly remember that birthday party. Yeah. And I'm now that age. So it's like, yeah, that's, that's just kind of what, what's happening now. But I find myself doing that awful thing of making jokes about how old I am. Just like, don't be that guy. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, you combine that with narcissism, and it's like, oh, don't worry, I'm the only one that can make a joke about it. You can't go, yeah, you are really fucking old, dude. <laughs> like, I've got grey in my beard, and you don't tell me about grey in my beard. Well, why do you mention it? <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing of it. So, yes, hurtling towards death, but in my own completely unique way, because it won't happen to me. <laughs> no, my wife is convinced that uh, how could she possibly die? I, I, I think it's, it's a great way of looking. I've been fascinated by this. That, like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm immortal until proven otherwise. Have you had any like close calls? Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, concretely, yes. No, I mean also being convinced of certain medical conditions that I've got now. I just be like, I probably don't. I don't. You know the thing. I don't want to check in case it's true. Yeah. So like, that's such a stupid mentality. Because like if if we were living in let's say the 1600s where you don't want to check because if you do find out you're dead you're just, just you're gonna die that's just what's gonna happen. Whereas now that we face a chance for medical science being so advanced that if you do go and check things out there is a strong possibility you can treat it and prolong it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but I think people are still nevertheless totally terrified of the doctors. I know I am. They're a bit shit sometimes too. Uh, yeah, as we were discussing. not as bad as hairdressers and dentists, but yes. Yeah, hairdressers and dentists. Must never be trusted. Dentists at the top of my list. Yeah. But yeah. Dental hygienists are the psychopaths of uh, medicine. Yeah. I, I, the weirdest quote ever. I, I just love the, 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 the quote in, in itself. The last time I went to go and see a dentist, uh, Dr. Manassian on Finchley Road, if you find him, please shoot him. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm being drilled into. Which is not a great opening gambit, you know. Hey, how are you doing? How are we going on holidays? Really? Ah! You know? um, but I'm being drilled into, and I was like fairly young. I was like, ow, ow. He's like, oh, sh 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 sh. But for a start, like, right. okay. And I was like, no, actually, I backed away from the drill. We were like, actually, no, ow. It's not like don't stop, but your nurse there's got a needle that makes it fucking not hurt so much. Exactly. And the dude turns to me and goes, that didn't hurt. Oh, fuck off. Get out. I think you'll find 
I will tell you where no, that I'm is. Judge. <laughs> well, no, thank you. Wow, you know? this guy's freaking on Missy yeah, a bit. Completely weird. Yeah. Like to the tenacity to suggest that he knows when that it doesn't hurt me. And it's like I respect that he's a professional and he comes under. You know, a lot of people come under his needle, but look, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> uh, but he uses his needle on a lot of people. That. I'm <laughs> 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 oh, just kidding. Shit. I can't get away from it. Oh no! What have we done? Dentist, the ultimate fetishist. Yeah, uh, God, they're just perverts and lovers. <laughs> and hot. <laughs> Bring that nurse over here, she's going to stab me with a pointy thing. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, it's just the fact that he was just like, I, I respect that he can see a lot of people in their reactions, so maybe, again, going back to the British thing, it was like, don't worry, it's fine, ow. You know, that kind of thing. I was probably being polite about it, going, that actually rather hurt. Sure it didn't. You're not screaming yet. I am inside. <laughs> you know, that kind of so yeah, uh, a hairdressers don't worry, I'll only cut a small bit off. <laughs> no. Uh, estate agents who, uh, you know, as, as Friar Laurie said, uh, there's only one thing in life that's worse than an estate agent, but thankfully the new Lance drained and surgically dressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dreadful people. Um, yes, they are. Death. Estate agents. Yeah. Death to estate agents! <laughs> dentistry, death to dentistry. Yeah. Let's, let's start this take with sorry. Sorry. And sorry. that, ladies and gentlemen, sorry. is the cure for cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for tuning in. Sorry, you're <laughs> watching me. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It's a very British podcast. We just apologise to you for three hours. This is such a money centric. Money fortune, but you've also got never thrown in there as well. Damn. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Sorry. Every time that gets turned over, I always misread it as torture. It does legit look like torture. It does, doesn't it? Well, wow. Fortune can be torture is a form of fortune. So, um, but you know, it could also mean you never die, or never get tortured. <laughs> you never die. Constant torture. <laughs> the torture of the town life. And riches. Okay, a seeker, lantern in hand, is shown ascending a winding staircase leading up to a garret where a treasure chest is waiting. The card signifies the quest ending in fulfilment. It stands for success achieved by good luck, persistence, and an increase in wealth. So that's no fulfilment, but this is fulfilment. This is maybe now you'll know fulfilment, but future maybe you will have fulfilment. Super interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, there's so many. Uh, it's whether you think it's, it's sort of a cop out or not, but there are a lot of people that are sort of you know that awful kind of live, laugh, love nonsense, oh, oh, yes. tropes, and yeah. they're doing it over every Karen Wall, but um, <laughs> there was someone that was suggesting that it's not necessarily, the fortune is not the material wealth at the end of it, it's the process you went through to get to it. Now obviously that is, to some, a nice way of saying you lost, <laughs> you know, but others certainly, I mean I have been enriched definitely by, uh, enriched I should say, by um, the, 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 the process of everything that I've been doing in chasing the end result. And yes, absolutely, as a horizon point, that end, that pinnacle point, just keeps going further, further away, like the kind of the mythical coin in the back of the sofa that every time you dig deeper, it gets further. Yeah, you know, uh, eureka moments and whatnot. But um, certainly, in in recent procedures, I've sort of learned the thing of uh, keeping my cool, which is totally new to me. I'm 40 years old, <laughs> and suddenly realizing, dude, you want really, you, we can see when you're stressed. And if you're a director, I, you know, I'm a, I've been the front man of the band for God knows how long, and de facto manager, everything like that. You get used to that process and workflow and what you do. I thought I held it together pretty well as a leader. There's a difference between leading 
and making sure that the people you are leading are comfortable and relaxed about what it is you're doing. And on the film set, I'm, you know, the first time actually really officially as a director, and which was doing this the first My Dark Bride video we did uh, for them, uh, which was Two Outlive the Gods. I was, I, I, it all went to shit in part of the production process. We, we saved it. But when it was going to shit, I was a, a scowling, terrible goblin in the corner. <laughs> and there's me thinking, no, I'm, I'm permitted this reaction because it's going to shit. Isn't anyone else annoyed? Surely everyone else feels, feels the same way. Like, yeah, they do. But you're the director, dude. You're like, this comes down to you. The way you feel and the way you act is going to dominate how others receive it and how they in turn act out it. And at the moment, the person that's keeping their cool the most is your business partner, who is facing even more because his, his data system that's fucking up, or I'm just trying to preside all over it. Um, instead, I was just spaffing all over it with anger. <laughs> you know? And so now it's the thing of having to, I, I thought I had a handle on being objective over situations. No, you were just capable of in retrospect being objective over it. At the very moment where everything, and it will go to shit all the fucking time. <laughs> Guaranteed, whatever you're doing will not go as planned. Either that it goes down a route that you hadn't anticipated, and you could see that as a negative, or your leading lady blows up, yeah. and <laughs> you know everyone contracts stupidity. And so, I, I was having these situations where it's like I was going to lose my cool any second. Slightly did at one point. But it's like you you just can't do that anymore. Like not just that oh you're forty you should have a, an animal in this shit. No, you're never too old to learn. But more that I was chasing, the, you know, the, oh, so it's the end results, the end results got to work, everyone's going to pull it together. So it's got to look good. It's like, fuck how it looks, man. You have a team of, say, six, eight people who are really stressed out about the fact that you are not okay and you are not happy about how this is going. And it reflects in, totally in a cyclical element of, like, this is going to reflect on you really, really badly because you're reflecting on them and they're thinking that they're doing a bad job. You, know, you can see the cascade of of emotions from it. So over two uh, video shoots where quite a large amount of tech stuff went wrong and other things as well. I, in the, the, the six months between those two, it was a process of going, you really need to put yourself in more situations where you should, you basically flip your lid, but be like, come on, stop it. You know, the only reason you're doing this is because it's like, but I wanted it to work. <laughs> you know, kid gloves, thing, and it's like, I, if I had tried to say this to myself 10 years ago, it would be like, oh, you're trying to cross the artistic vision. Or, you're not allowing me, or I'm not allowing myself time to react, or anything like that. And whereas now it's like, you need to be wise about this. Just because you're not blowing your lid doesn't mean that you're not to have a vital, or really got so into it that he so cares about it. So, no, being angry isn't caring about something. I mean, ultimately, it may be to you, but to the person who's watching, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? Yeah. Why is he all red? <laughs> you know? So, yes, chasing fortune, but the, the process was absolutely more valuable because it has enabled me to do success by following amounts of productions and being like, yeah, I think I might be able to hold this one down. And that was crucial, really important. I feel like. You, you need that kind of shitstorm moment mm. to really realise that there's kind of beauty in losing control of things and things being outside of your control. Yeah. Because then you just get to a point where you're just like, well, I've just 
the only thing I can do now is work with what I've been given. Yes. And just try and have a good time with it still. Well, it's, now, it's interesting you say that because I definitely have that in the editing process. Yeah. I'm more collective, but then it's just me in my study. And I, I, I'll, I'll be like, oh, fuck, and just, you know, yeah. hands in the air. Uh, but I don't have a kind of... It's because when people are around me, I get nervous that they're thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. And there is nothing more that will advertise the fact that you don't know what you're doing than you losing your cool. Yeah. Because it's like, why hasn't it gone the way I planned? Like, you yeah. really? Were you that arrogant to think it would go the way you planned? Yeah. And it's not so much that I don't know where this is leading, more that why literally doesn't this fucking machine work? Yeah. Why now? Why now? Is that actually, if you look at it, mate, you know, it fucks up all the time when you're at home, and you're like, <laughs> it's not working again. Okay, yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Just do the same again. And it's having to teach yourself and literally train yourself not to go, not to react to it, because there are a load of people who are looking to you going, you do know what we're doing, don't we? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And even it's like you're like, oh shit. Unfortunately, my problem was, uh, I started off. I had a wonderful, what do you say, springboard of being able to go straight into making a fucking music video for My Dying Bride, like yeah. our hero, it's like, wow! Yeah. And it, on one side, that's like, what a thing to do. And then you get there and shit fucks up. <laughs> You're like, I just fucked up in front of mm. the first singer I ever heard do death metal vocals. He's uh, Aaron's a great vocalist. I mean. Amazing. And an incredible dude. Yeah. And there was stuff that my team and Ergo buck stops with me, me, I fucked up, therefore. And I'm doing, yes, I've toured with him, you know, and whatnot. But it was this thing of, I'm stood here on location going, no, that's not working. And it's like this, you know, he's made however many videos. Just like, right. Thankfully, he's however many years down the line and has totally mastered the art of, <laughs> I know it is, just leave it to you. Yeah. You'll get it, don't worry. You know, but what a way to learn. Uh, in some ways, I wish it, it weren't. We haven't started at that level. Yeah. You know, it should have been we're going to do the dog and duck it uh, performance video, and it's sort of like it all fucks up, doesn't matter. But yeah, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say the videos video. are they're fantastic. Yeah. Thank like you. I think they're great, and uh, one of them has an amazing comment, which was uh, finally a my dying bride video where there's actually a dying bride. <laughs> 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 I, I so appreciated that, and do you know the weirdest thing is? In the, all of my involvement, I read the comment and was like, yeah, well done, I hadn't thought of that. What? How would I not thought of that? <laughs> it's in the fucking name! <laughs> Someone else, I think, had commented, or maybe they said to me, so I guess she's dead then. <laughs> oh, I see! <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that was, there have been some, you know how you're not supposed to check the comments? There's always like, never check the comments, yeah, go for a retard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. And my defence for doing it, is that we're a burgeoning company in this field in, at the moment in film and video, that I'm scouring the comments on a twice-daily basis because um, I'm correcting shit that where people are saying, oh, they probably did this. No, we didn't. Oh, it is a real woman. <laughs> I'm a real boy. You know, those stuff like that. You know, it's, it, so I, and actually, weirdly enough, in answering a lot of the comments uh, where people were like, oh, what's this? Or where did they shoot this? Or whatever. I've, I've, you know, you can actually see the, the paper trail, well, the digital paper trail, where I've answered something, that person, lo and behold, has gone and subscribed to our channel. Oh, it does work. It means you have to sift through a lot of shit. Like, there was one woman on Facebook, on the My Dying Bride page, who was just venomous about Ruby, who was in the second video. Really? Oh, like, 
why, why did they get some duck pouting banana sucker? Oh I've never heard that comment. Oh my god! <laughs> Where did the banana sucker go? So, first of all, why did this doctor pronounce banana sucker? I read it and went, wait, have I missed something? Went on to Ruby's page and said, sucking in your bananas. <laughs> no bananas, right. It's just something she's come up with. Okay, fine, right, there we are. Duck pouting, hey, I don't know, whatever. But, uh, this, why did they get a duck pouting banana sucker? Why would Aaron even agree to this? They've really, like, you know, they, they, Step low or something. Or something. Yeah. Okay, so I like, read that and be like, me? That's come out of nowhere. Are you pissed off about it? So I went onto this woman's page. <laughs> and the second post down, uh, the first was a photo of her hiking up a mountain. Cool, fine, whatever. The second one was this, like a live, laugh, love thing of be kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know. They're always the worst, most angry people. Thank you. Yeah. It someone said it's never successful people that share the memes about you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they, uh, uh, this woman had this this thing, so I, you know, it's, not, it's supposed to be like don't feed the trolls, don't read the comments, whatever. But I'm like, no, screw this, no, that's really out of order. So I sort of responded, going, that's kind of rich from someone who has be kind. You know, uh, it took us out of interest three months in the main production phase to make this video. Yeah, it took you just shy of twelve minutes to watch it. Yeah, and you just dismissed it like that. Now, I'm not saying you have to like it, but that's a very strange comment to read after spending 11 minutes watching it. She took everything down. Of course nice. she yeah. And it's just sort of like, yeah, sometimes there is such a thing as, as firefighting and damage limitation, I think, in these situations where you do have to read the comments when you're at the level that we're at. Um, because I would love, you know, also I would say that there's a great amount of actors, musicians, everyone, who will interview and say, I never read the comments, or I never watch my own films. Bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> the reason you're saying that is because you're concerned that if you say I do read the comments and the trolls will be like, fucking cool, by the way, you kissed it. Or yeah. something like that. Something yeah. horrible. Yeah. You can see that, that shit happens, right? Yeah. And as soon as they know, oh no, they, oh, wait, this dude does. Ryan Gosling literally reads the comments. You're a wanker. You know? <laughs> and it's sort of like, that's why. But no, come on. It's, no one's that same. Maybe one, maybe Tilda Swinton because she's not human. She is an <laughs> alien. Yeah. Like dog goddess. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. In a cool way, I like God. It's sort of uh, the, uh, the Anubis in female flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. like an, a yeah. non anxious greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> she doesn't get the shakes off. Yeah. I can go terribly fast. <laughs> right! Okay. <laughs> You've been on such a zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Where's she going? <laughs> this is a slow movie. Stop That's her. in the script. <laughs> Enough. Speaking of Anubis, this is a strange segue, but um, <laughs> I read one of the reviews of one of the albums online and this dude kept comparing the bands to Septic Flesh and it was about 50 times. Like, <laughs> wow. Sure you just don't want to go and listen to Septic Flesh? <laughs> he's obsessed that the Wasp Keeper sounds oh, like really? Septic Flesh. Yeah. I, mean, I love oh, Septic man. Flesh. Oh, no, I love them. They're yeah, great. They're great. That never occurred to me. That way. That's interesting. Maybe it's because there's, um, I suppose when you got into them, but I suppose there's... there's Little bits of keyboard or orchestral bits in it. Not full on cradle, but like, yeah, maybe. It, what people hear in your own material at times you're like, you know, I never really fucking thought of that. Yeah. And someone said one that, what was it? Um, oh God. Someone said something. I mean, I love Typo Negative, okay? Pete, yeah. Pete Steele, for various reasons, was real hero. Various reasons, yes. Yeah, I yeah. Lo loved it, absolutely. And, uh, 
someone said, I was like, so they like Tybo Negative then? Well, I've never tried to sound like him. Though. It's probably just yeah. have clean singing. Yeah. yeah, seriously, I think it's that. Do yeah. people have these links, these cognitive links? Yeah. It's like, they, well, it must be, because that's what I relate to, so it must mean that they do. Yeah, it's very strange. It's like there was a phase where anything that had, um, you know, melodic passages, whether it be vocals or guitars, was automatically similar to Opeth. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah. if you have Opeth were the only ones that have ever done it. Yeah. Not my, not my dying bride, mind you. No, precisely. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, Opeth is a common one. If, if you have any prog, basically if you have songs longer than four minutes. Yeah. Automatically Opeth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Could you be clean singing? Oh dear, no, 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 no. You just want to grow a stuff, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. And it's like, it's, it's just true. In clean passages, it's like, they, they, they don't, you know, Opeth don't own the, the rights on doing that, but they are definitely one of the most prominent bands that do it. Yeah. And it's just interesting that when, at least in my experience, when people have leveled that sort of almost accusation of like, oh, so you like Opeth then? It's like, have you ever listened to Camel? <laughs> like, what's Camel? Go and listen to Camel, come back to me. Well, oh, well, Opeth must like camel. Yeah, they're basically hevel camel. Hevel camel? Hevel camel. Camel heavy. Yeah, but yeah, everyone's derivative now. Um, which one? I'm going to assume. Oh, sorry, no, I ruined it. I told you what, which one it was, but you can guess again if you like. Pretend well, I'm going to guess it's that. Yeah. You're correct. <laughs> now. Now. Ooh, now, Ooh. never. Oh, I see. Right, okay. Interesting. And it's, one of them isn't inverted, so, yeah, alright. Ah, okay. alright. So now is number four. Um, the picture shows a repurposed cover of Opeth's 
really a good, a good ear when it matters sort of thing. She kind of saw that I was really wigging out a bit in the bathroom. She's like, you're right, no, I'm not. I don't feel ready, you know, I need a two week thing. She's like, I tell you what, you bought skipping rope with you, didn't you? Yeah. Go outside, go and take your 30 minutes, 45 minutes to go and do some skipping. Like, that's not gonna fix it, dude. She's like, just go and fucking do it. Went outside, spent 25 minutes, all the 25 minutes, because I'm shit at skipping. Nevertheless, jumping up and down a bit. Came back in, went and had a shower, looked in the very same, the exact same mirror, and I saw a different body. Like, no, 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 no. Well, let's be honest about this. Like, reality doesn't work like that, and bodies definitely don't. You cannot lose or gain, uh, you know, be more ripped after a 25 minute skipping thing that you fucked up mostly. Yeah. It just the fact that the mental thing that is like, and now it's terrifying for me. Like, all of these, there's a resounding line, a concurrent line that goes along with creativity, which people like, the best time to start is now. And I'd be like, yeah, no, we just need to get this second camera. Or I just need to do another draft. Or I just need to da 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 da. So who was, who was the, what was the poet that sang recently? It was like, no, no one ever finishes a poem, you just abandon it. Um, you know, it's, everything is a work in progress. So to say, you, you, will, you will, as with bereavement, you will never get to a point, if you lose a family member or a loved one, you'll be like, oh, I never said this. Or I never picked up the phone. And it's like, fuck off, man. You, that's like a, if you'd have done all those things, it's like, I didn't walk the dog. Yeah. <laughs> the dog's yeah, not there. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, the now thing is like, you, I've never in my life reached a point of being like, I'll do the gig now, guys. <laughs> I'll make the film now. You know, yeah. No, it doesn't happen. It's just this mythical thing. You know, um, uh, the short film that we're preparing, I'm, I'm very much aware. Like, I actually pulled out of the, uh, the BFI funding that we were doing for the short film funding thing. Uh, grant monies, you know, which, it's so valuable to the entire industry. Uh, I was preparing that, and I'm like, I fucked out at the last minute. Uh, but it was uh, midday was the, 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 you know, the deadline. And it had been an open fund for quite some time, but I only got wind of it about two weeks before. And I was up at half five on the morning of the deadline. I just going, I can't, I can't lose this 10K, I can't shift anywhere, because we're crucially out of the budget. And so I just rage quit. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. no, not happening. Yeah. Um, and so I spoke to a lot of people uh, you know, most of the resounding sort of feedback is like, dude, it's, you'll never point of being, you get a point of being completely ready. Don't worry about fucking out on this one. It means that the next application will be that much better. But next time you do it, you've got to allow yourself to submit it, rather than being what you think is finished. Your point of completion is this horizon thing that keeps, will keep going around the earth. <laughs> you know, you don't you reach the end. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I applied to the Arts Council and it's mm. a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. And like the budgeting, I've never done it before. It's a, I did not understand how it worked for like a month. Yeah. I spent a month just like putting numbers into this spreadsheet and being like, it's still red. And then eventually it was green and I was like, okay. And like that was the only bit of the application I had trouble with. Was like balancing really? the, was like understanding how that budget works. Like how you had to make the profit the same as your expenditure and then just yeah. make stuff, money, do things here and there, it was really confusing. You know, something really worries me about some of those things is that there are times that it's deliberately obfuscation. Honestly, I think they try and make it hard for artists on purpose, yeah. and I, I do feel there's an element of like, like you, you kind of have to ham up the whole like ethnicity thing, but then it still kind of works against your favor at the same time. Yeah. Like the response we got, I wasn't particularly, um, it, was, it was very, uh, 
interestingly, um, I mean, the guy had like a triple-barreled name, so I don't know if I was, you know, he w I wasn't so convinced by the points that he put forward Eric about... Hitler, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Eric K. Hitler, Hitler. Eric K. In the absolute danger of creating something of a straw man. Um, Do go ahead. You, well, yeah, okay. The right. So grants are in place, as I understand this. Yeah, I could be hideously wrong, but I used to work for the Sex and Skills Council for the film industry. So you kind of you get used you know to sort of. Yeah. I mean, it's more that like I'm used to application procedures and the everything that's built up around it to support it. Some of it is deliberately obtuse. Mm. Others is sort of anyway, all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I, so a grant is there that you, a grant would imply you are not beholden to make that money back or make good on your promise or you know sorry you make good on your promise by making the, the, the you know the actual product yeah but it, this it's not contingent on scale on sales okay mm. film funding being different yes you do have to re at least recoup and if you don't it's on your head financially you know um, so that's fine so that's the distinction between the two grants are typically in place to be given to people who are otherwise marginalised and, you know, minorities who are underrepresented in the industry. Right. Okay. Cool. From personal experience, I am absolutely aware that the way I, certainly the way I sound, or the way that I would write an email or something like that, uh, thankfully, I mean, we're talking, this is literally, okay, this is first impression stuff, right? Yeah. My name, Hal Sindon, okay? It's not Tabitha Farquhar meanly, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you'd be like, oh, right, it's a silver ladle out the mouth, please, you know. Yeah. But it, to some, I've had some people say, that because they don't know how's an old English name, they'd be like, oh, the, the Duke could be like Arabic, or I don't know, it's just, it's just whatever that name is, I don't know. Halvercindon. Yeah, it's like, that. they are, <laughs> it's like, the, 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 the giveaway, but you know. But uh, then I stopped talking, and they're like, right, you're applying for grant monies. Why not ask daddy, little boy? Ooh. You know, that kind mm. of stuff. And yeah. you face that all the time. And I, I, I steadfastly refuse to pull back on, on my, the way I sound. But not that it's pride, it's just that I, I've tried it once. I've tried changing how I sound. And it was so contrived, it was ridiculous. So with the grant monies and stuff like that, I absolutely understand I'm applying for something which is there to bolster underrepresented minorities and you know, marginalised peoples. And I am arguably in terms of demographics, exactly what they're trying to, to you know, get around and subvert. That apparently I am so, uh, uh, you know, bolstered by my background and everything like that, that I am absolutely entitled to everything. Now, in reality, that's not the case. Uh, if anything, in my own experience of being in drama school, everything beyond. My, my familial background closes as many doors as it opens. Categorically, if a door is opened because of my, I don't know, either the way I seem or someone happens to know who my family were back in the day, yeah. anything like that. If they do, it's like, you've got a long way to prove yourself. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I find a little bit worrying about when people don't, are not awarded the grant, not necessarily that they're declined, it's that they don't get it, <laughs> is the way they react to it. You go onto YouTube now, you put in anything about like, why the... I don't know, BFI fund is so bad, or why is film for such a shit that, and there's tons of very angry people going, oh, it's 
we have, we have this much money for the film industry, blah, 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 blah. Just, it just that never ends. And it's yeah. like, right, 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 right. Okay, fine. So that would indicate that certain people are just very not prepared for being yeah. kind of anything. Okay, yeah. cool. But where they go away from that, and this is something, again, this is potentially building the straw man argument. The thing I am concerned about, uh, I have seen a few YouTube videos where someone has been declined grant monies, specifically in the UK, and where diversity is key. Equal opportunities must be filled out, and within, at its root, very, very admirable reasoning. But their reaction for being rejected then suddenly goes, but they're giving it to the body of people, or it's because they're... Mm, okay, and they compare yeah. themselves with like, yeah. now, they're like, they're not diverse enough. Right, not I'm going to say this now, I, I started monitoring it in myself a little bit, because there was a little bit of me going, I don't think I'm going to get this, and I think the reason I'm not going to get it is because I'm white, I'm evidently at least middle class, yeah. I have a family who are involved in the industry anyway, so therefore I should technically be asking them. <laughs> but uh, I'm also, what, what, what's your film about? Well, it's based in the 18th century, and there's only white people. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and it became, you see what I mean where I'm going? I was, I was like, oh, dude, if you go any further with this line of reasoning, you're going to be like, oh, it's because I'm not black, isn't it? Fuck off. <laughs> you know, but if someone didn't have that measure of self-awareness like, of just being like, no, 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 I'm not saying I'm the most self-aware person in the world, but it's just more that like, people who are more predisposed to getting angry about being refused something would be like, it's because I'm white, isn't it? Yeah. Shit. One of the reasons why I believe that people like Trump inexplicably, seemingly, came into power is because he played the card beautifully. Mm of disenfranchised, lower middle class and working class white people. Going like, oh, you're, you're so, uh, you know, you've all got these, these you know, you're, you're, you're uh, what's the uh, beginning of the <laughs> Privilege. You, you've got this privilege. Yeah, where's my privilege then? And, like, and all Trump needs to do is go, yeah, no, I understand what you feel, guys. Oh, shit, you just weaponized an entire strata of society. You made it into a finite resource. Mm. Yeah. And you've literally gone, like, yeah, is it? Because you're poor, and just because you're white, like, oh no. <laughs> also, like, a lot of those people don't necessarily understand. No one else would have went near that apparent demographic with a barge pole, which is why, you know, it, it was... And that, why they constantly feel disenfranchised. Yeah. yeah. And this is not to defend... I mean, right now, we have much such brazen racism coming from over the Atlantic, which is like, flipping out. <laughs> You just said it on national TV about that. I just plain don't like black people. Like, wow! <laughs> you know? So, and like, in the, in the last four years, we would never have seen that. Not that it didn't exist. It's it wasn't just, it wasn't so brazen. Yeah. Right? And I, what I just get worried about with, to leave back to the grant point about it, just say that that's, that's where I think people regrettably did find their support for Trump because they felt that they, were, they themselves were marginalised despite being a majority. Yeah. Um, but in grant stuff, I'm, I am very aware that the stuff that I really care about and I want to make films about is not target content for a grant, mm -hmm. specifically. And I registered in myself a little bit of a seed of like, I could get angry about this. Like, that's really dangerous, dude. Yeah. Like, you could have taken that so much further and got really uppity about like, just because I'm not making kid upload. Thank fuck you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Chatwood. It's <laughs> <laughs> frightfully difficult down here, you know? <laughs> We're all in the gutter. You know? Yeah. 
Anyway, that was a bit of a... a yeah, no, yeah. it's, it's interesting. I think being a musician, you've got to deal with a lot of rejection, and it's bloody hard sometimes, especially... Um, like, I think for me, that's, like, the biggest rejection I've had to deal with so far. Like, um, so I was just like, I'm a bit angry. This feels weird, because I've not felt that before. Like, we've had one or two bad reviews, and I was like, mm. oh, that's hilarious, but yeah. this was uh, this was definitely one of those learning points for me. So it's interesting to hear about your your own symmetrical experience with it and you had the same kind of reaction as me but from the other side so who's in the middle i want to know like you did with your youtube searches who these people are who are getting it and like you know i'm sure there was just someone who was more deserving yeah i think also it, it, it gives you the, the the risk of identifying this mythical straw character but and then trying to be that and then yeah, yeah either you become it or you resent it or both yeah, and um, and you know certainly with, re with reviews. I mean, I prefer to believe this that I am still of the opinion that the people who say they're not affected by bad reviews are just very good at suggesting they're not. I, people get cut. I think we yeah. we haven't had a particularly bad one. Right. We had one that that was just like oh, you just, it was just a troll. <coughs> oh, right. So it was it was just like oh it sounds like they're singing in a big room. It's like yeah that's the kind of reverb we were using. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. 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 They just didn't understand what. what <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, I think the YouTube video, just some of the, the comments regarding the fact that you're female and the vocalists are just pretty, yeah. Uh... Really? I don't, I, I, oh god, they're going to sound like an absolute tit. I haven't read them in a while. They're probably oh, wise. Uh, I mean, if, you know, it's me saying that you should, one should, mm. but if, if there is a possibility that if it's a, let's say it's something where in, uh, it's in a, a, an historic upload, don't. Because at that point, people are only going to comment on things either utterly lovely usually they're really nice comments nice. we would like i don't yeah. think I've, I've actually read a bad comment yet which i'm really grateful for or if i have i've forgotten because mm -hmm. I, I just have that amazing ability to forget bad comments remember that guys yeah um yeah no but i, I think we're still new and small so that's right. probably why yeah. it's it, it's i I've, I've seen the character and the way of people how they how they do respond and how they do comment on, on various YouTube things, it does change from the novelty of the upload, mm. as per. Because someone, someone commenting on a very old, I say very old, but like say even a year or two years back, so you've uploaded something, you got, you suddenly it comes up a, like a notification, oh you've got a new comment on this video, you go onto it and be like, it will either be someone who specifically sought you out, mm. and be like, that's great, really like it, well done that. Or, it's someone who has, it's come up in the recommendations, they're like, oh, fucking shit, you know, looks like a rhino. Or something, you know. Oh, you know what? I was wrong. I've had some really shitty comments on old interview videos I used to do. Being right. like, this girl obviously has never heard of Electric Wizard. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, she's shit at asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. Well, like, the, the, the female thing is like, I, I feel a little uh, a little guilty actually about because of the in interlock we had, uh, you know, I, I, the, the longest lineup, we, it was always it was two girls in the band. It was a bassist and my co singer. And, uh, and I have shied away from doing similar again because I got so fucking tired of having to, like, every other review is female fronted, don't oh, oh, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, I'm just really sorry to bow out of this fight, guys, but I don't know if I can do this anymore. I, 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 I can't fight that because it's just, there's just such ignorance of just being like, doesn't matter the kind of stuff. Um, but uh, just to say, the, the My Time Broke one, there's someone just recently today on the, no, yesterday, sorry, on one of them, uh, I think they had, it looked like a, potentially like a Hebrew username, but nevertheless, the comment was in English. It was just 
boring. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I love it. Straight to the point. Yeah. So, and it wasn't even like boring full stop. Boring. Was it lower? Was it lower case B? No, it's just like it was standard but boring. I just thought, brilliant. So I went on and I, I, I admittedly signed in as another account so I didn't want to stir too much. <laughs> but I decided to review the comment. <laughs> so as reviews go, as, uh, you know, as comments go, just, uh, I give it a 2 out of 10. You know, I've, I've read better, there's not a lot of effort put into it, I think. And, uh, <laughs> it's sort of, yeah, it's good to have fun with it occasionally, but like, yeah, as long as you, you can take it for what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> have you ever yeah. left a bad YouTube comment on anyone? I don't think I, I have. have. Happy. Yes, I have. What did you do? Yeah, um, it was, it was, uh, well, I don't know, if, does this count? Uh, I, I, I was going through, you know, everyone, we, we can go idle time into YouTube TV and you just deep dive into weirdest stuff. Mm. And I thought I was clicking on a either a sort of dramatised documentary re battle reenactment thing or an interesting, potentially fi fictional narrative, but it's, you know, it just looked like, you know, okay, so it's like Civil War stuff going on, like, uh, American Civil War, sorry. And I was sort of watching it, it wasn't very good. I just thought, just check the comments, and like all of them were going off on one yeah. about the prowess and brilliance of the IRA. Oh. And I stood reading it going like, how? Click away, click away, click away. Fuck. And I, why did I pipe up? I was just like this, you know, having the, I actually rewatched the video and went, oh shit, no, they're really pushing that cause, aren't they? The, the English are absolutely the world's villains. We are, but like, yeah. you know, there, there couldn't be anything worse. And the Irish have it right, and they should, we should have bombed the shit out of them more, everything like that. It's like, um, I had a, a bomb scare in two different schools when I was a kid, during the worst of the, the IRA, because that's, I was born in 1980, that's just what happened. And um, so I was sort of like, why, I don't know why it is you're defending the, the group of people who thought it was prudent to target a school. And I very quickly got a response back going, no, you didn't. <laughs> they were like, plausible deniability, no, it didn't happen. The, the IRA didn't target, target schools, they never did it. Was at school at the time. Definitely happened. Look it up. Well, I did. It didn't happen. If he looked it up, then surely he... Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a cognitive dissonance case, but it's just more than like, yeah, that, that, and it just, it... Uh, my guitarist, Ewan, said something, uh, he was quoting someone else, but he said about the, the, there was this particular thing that, like, in relation to comments, online comments, that the greatest pleasure you'll have in the world is typing out a massively egregious but obtuse and argumentative contentious point on YouTube and then deleting it and sparing yourself nights upon nights of stress. Yeah, true enough. Yeah. But there are times when it's like, oh, you're so wrong! <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, that's, yeah. Mm. Right. What's the next one? Father! <laughs> well, I thought this would come up because the father has the same bow and arrows as the skills. Oh, okay. So the skills have been passed on potentially by the father. Interesting. Right. So number 13, or children's number. This card shows a father teaching his son to shoot with a longbow. It symbolises the masculine element in the nature of each one of us, standing for authority, strength, protectiveness that can arise and at times be stern and repressive. Interesting. Okay. Intriguing. I will start off with saying that's not a longbow. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's what it says. Absolutely fine. And I, the, like I'm sort of like, oh, oh, that's like, a crossbow, and that's oh, yeah. I was so. No, I no, no, no. It's, it's what, what they've written in there. Yeah. It's just like that. That's actually a far shorter bow. That's more of a Greek Maybe, is, it, is it a longbow? Is it a kid using it? Is it a kid's longbow? No, it's uh, a, a longbow is normally about uh, around five foot. I know the British were really good at. Well, the English were really good at using longbows, right? Mm. That helped win some stuff. Actually, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, that's a Greek definition design where you see the bowing at, at the end of it, mm. um, and you would definitely give that to a kid to teach them. So it's totally relevant. But it's just oh, like, right. but for me to pull that up as a as a misgotten detail, it's like, well, the eagle is not actually a picture of death. It's not actually accurate, so I don't really know. But yeah, that's fine. Um, only reason I say that. Weirdly enough, is because I was taught when I was at drama school, one of my combat teachers was a woman called Alison de Berg, who, uh, she may still be, I don't know, but she was certainly back then, uh, the world's uh, foremost female longbow archer. That's oh, wow, so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, that's and I awesome. saw her doing it. Yeah? Fucking hell. Like, it's not just that you see, I mean, these things are... Impossibly, I mean, you say five foot two, it'd be like that. Oh, I'm five foot four. Right. Yeah, that's like okay. person sized. You yeah. need to have. It's very simple. It is down to proportion. You, if you are of a certain size, unless you suddenly get hemmed through growth hormones or something like that, you ain't gonna pull up, you know, longbow because it's gonna be bigger than you. So it's just a matter of talk. But impossible is nothing. Um, <laughs> it's the fact that she, and she wasn't particularly massively tall, but she just her back was like just absolutely packed, and you can see it to be like. You know, in, the, in Lord of the Rings, everything like that, when people like send, and it's like yeah. the whole thing like that for a very long period. It's like, no, no, even now, no. Um, longbow, definitely not. You can just go bang, and that's the best you can get. Yeah. But she did this thing, and then up and unleashes, and not only does it hit a mark a field away, but it goes fucking through it. <laughs> that's why we won action course. Terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Christ, that's they, they were armor-piercing arrows. I'm glad Scythians didn't have those. Alright, yeah. well, yeah, but yeah. the father in general. Father. Yeah, um, uh, I'm sort of of the opinion that I think everyone suffers their own father. Well, a lot of guys certainly do. There's still that uh, patriarchal model in, in effect. Um, I'm in, very interested by trying to push that just because you, I say you as in, because one has suffered something in life. Isn't beholden then to those who come before you. They don't have that. They will not do better for suffering the same as you, because as much as your coping mechanism is that this made me the best man, I'm a stronger person. It was character forming. Blah. All of these excuses that make you feel better about the fact that you've gone through shit is mistranslated as well. It must be a positive, so I've got to do that. And I mean this from yeah. You know, I wasn't beaten. Yeah. Far from it. But about uh, if any, well, my blight in particular, is the sense of legacy. No paternal figure in my in my non, known or my existing living memory line, so basically, in other words, my dad, my grandfather, um, neither of them have ever gone, you've got to be like me, son, right? But there's a million ways to infer it, even whether you know that you're doing it or not. Yeah. If you have someone in your family, a forebear that has occupied a certain position that, oh, God forbid, is in the same industry as you, they can even, like, my, when my grandfather found out that I actually not only was planning on being an actor, but was I just signed up to a, a, a drama school. The same one as his. The same one as him. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to cut you out of the world. You are Whoa. not going to be an actor. You are not 
had like, are you a fucking idiot or something? Like trying to protect you from something? Yeah, to, yeah. as far as he was concerned. But imagine from a sort of uh, a formative perspective, young child thinking about the future, sort of stuff, you know, heroism is suddenly then, big, the big no says, fucking no. Yeah. And not only that, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> and not only that, but if you do it, I will make your life more difficult. Mm. That in your formative years, be it seven or 14 or whatever, is still the kind of, just about that age where you're like, oh, I'm making my emotions now, this yeah. sort of thing. You can mistranslate, or translate, whichever way you want to see it, as, don't do that, you might be better than me. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That has not been explicitly said. And never been said. But it's what you take from it as inferred, or you know, it's kind of like uh, implicitly suggested that perhaps there's a concern. Yeah. You know, then other family members can also not that I had this directly, but it can be a thing that other family members are like, it probably is a concern. You know, oh, yeah. And the only way I think really that I, in my own way, have tried to back away from the concern of legacy and everything like that is by going, he was, this dude, my grandfather was uh, working in a decade, so far, okay, like really, yeah. still, you know, up to his death, he was still reasonably renowned, you know, but um, it, it, the industry moves at a hell of a pace, especially recently, tech developments have meant that acting is just a different fucking game, you know, I mean, Peter Cushing is still appearing in Star Wars movies. He's dead, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the stuff, the shit that we can do, it's it's kind of a bit like, you know, in sometimes with tech developments now with all the kind of CGI, it's a bit on the level of Melodyne. I get upset when a producer corrects my pitch. It should, if that's on me, I should have got it right. And I would sooner leave it in because I don't want someone to go, fuck me, it doesn't seem like it doesn't hang out. Sort of thing. I would rather, I'll do my best, I'll do my level best, but I don't want to correct it. Please don't correct me, sort of thing. That sort of stuff. With acting, it's just a different feel. Like I said about the repeat fees, yeah. you know, that was never even a consideration. And I'm not saying it was easier for my grandfather or my father or in, in his own time. It's just different. It's as simple as that, it's just a different feel. So for me to go, and this happens a lot, but for me to go, Notice you haven't got your knighthood yet. <laughs> or the worst one of like, you do know that by 40 you'd already acted with Olivier and all this sort of like, oh, wow. Yeah, but I do that out of Pete Steele. You know, by, by, by 40 he'd already been in Playgirl. <laughs> like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> kind of stuff, you know. So it's like, yeah, definitely. It's like, it's, I think it's comparison with one's forebears, be it patriarchal or not, is a survival technique. Because they did well, that's how you survive, yes? Career-wise. So why aren't you doing the same? But when it becomes the chain around the neck? Yeah. Just, yeah. I think a lot of older family members don't understand the difference in economy. Oh, God, yeah. And like, yes. how we can't just go and buy houses and, yeah. um, and do things like that. Absolutely. And it can transfer it to career and things. Yeah. I think some people think it's very easy to go get a job in, in the city and just have a lovely HR job where mm. you're paid lots of money to... Yeah. I think it's the sentence when they say, oh, I mean, anybody looking for a job, well, just go somewhere and hand in your CV. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it might be funny, but if anybody comes in and hands me a physical CD, I'd be like, wait, well, you, you live in the Stone Age? Or? Or do you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing exactly the correct thing, but definitely in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, it's totally that. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, in, in terms of like, I, I've definitely gone through peaks and troughs about relationship with the father. That is, every single time you find a low, you get, for that, you know, this far away from it and go, that was totally about you. You were absolutely projecting every point in that. You know, and it's, but it's not that they are not guilty of, of certain things, but it's sort of like, for a lot of times, for, I can only speak from experience gender-wise, as a guy, I have found that because testosterone has its wicked way, there is a lot of witty waving. In a fucking family, it's like, behold, much long, which is bigger and older than yours, which means it's also wiser. You know, it's that kind of thing, and it's sort of like, really, where you think? But it is, you know, it, it's just a, the dagger of truth, but it's, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's kind of, because also, I mean, I, I should just say, I've, I have observed the exact, not the exact same, but in its own measure, the the difference of character of pressure between mother and daughter, being that I have a sister and I have a lot of people I regard as sisters, and I don't mean like, oh, I've taken a few pills with you and we got drunk and I love you and my sister. <laughs> no, I mean literally, like I grew up with them practically as yeah. sisters. And their relationship with their own mother is sort of like, shit, neither of you are wanting these arguments. You're not pushing for these arguments. But I watch you do it, I watch you, both of you wind up to it, and it's like magnets. Like, oh, you can't stop. And as much as you try and speak reason and be like, guys, you know what's happening again, don't you? Hi! Like, you know, those, those wavy things at airports, like, stop fucking now! <laughs> you, know? you try and do that, but it's like, no, no, they've got to have it out. they just got to have it out. And it's with the mother and daughter thing I've noticed, there's far more passive aggression. Mm. Do you really think that dress is the best one? I did like that yellow dress. You're saying off that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. But obviously, significantly more depth than that, but that is, it's a weak comparison, but it is a, nevertheless, it is an extent. And I think it's just with guys and dads, it's just being like, oh, you're gonna punch me now? You know, that kind of stuff. Which still happens. Yeah. Weird. Weird. I've always thought mother-daughter relationships are quite combustible, actually. I've seen some that are just, yeah, completely just things going from zero to a hundred so quick. And I think maybe that passive aggressiveness is maybe Maybe something, maybe that's key to it because I feel like things kind of build up over time. Whereas I feel like, well, speak from experience as well, like my relationship with my father, like things would, emotions would be conveyed just much more immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, much more blatantly. Yeah. And I think in some, not every, but some occasions that that happens, I think it's because we as men in this particular time that we're alive are easier to go straight to aggression. Outright aggression. Yeah. Whereas I've seen, uh, I've, I've observed more times than I would ever be comfortable with arguments that happen between a mother and a daughter. But some of the people I'm close to, it's four daughters. So, wow. Oh, yeah. You know, like little women, you know, the play, the, the, the film is like, it's like that, but like with all the knives out. <laughs> um, and I've watched an argument happen in shorthand because by the point that they've done it and they got to a certain age, they just were like goldfish. Fuck you! <laughs> what? <laughs> you no, because she's bringing up that thing. 
Seven years ago, I killed the goldfish, and it wasn't my fault. So well, if you cared about people, it wouldn't have happened. That kind of stuff. Like, wow. what just happened? Wow. <laughs> Amazing. And, you know, and I know also, sadly, it's not uncommon as well. And it's sort of like, and I, between my late mother and, and my sister, there were things that, my God, within three words. I mean, my parents can do that with me. Could, could do that with me, they're, they're able to, but if within... I mean, family triggers you like that. That's because right. they know your pain. Right. They know right. all the things yeah. that upset and you, and they have that knowledge. And what no a terrifying knowledge that is. Yeah, and they'll just, they'll just say a word, and you're like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah, literally that. Within, within three words, I have just gone red. Just seen red. I just feel like, fuck me, dude, three words, come off it. It's like, do the dishes, but no, it's, it's more profound. But it's like, that's, that's ridiculous to have that much control over someone. Um, and I, th I don't think that's going away anytime soon. I think that's the dynamic of humans. Honestly, I think, you know, you rely on someone so much for so many years, formative years of your life, then to try and either reverse, alter, or progress with that relationship is very, very difficult for humans to come to terms with. It takes a lot of screaming and shouting and tears, for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. I have both extremes with both my parents. I have an incredible relationship with my mum. Mm -hmm. She, I think... We had a very tumultuous one during my teenage years, but partly because my dad was just such a gigantic, willy-waving cock, as you call him yourself. Um, and, you know, it took her several years to realise that, like, oh, wait, it was incredible, because she went through therapy, and she was like, you were right. Oh, wow. I was like, what? Which is, like, the most weird thing to hear from your own parent, you know? She was like, and we, we basically had lots of conversations, and, you know, she spent several years getting away from him, and it's finally wow. happened. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just been incredible. She's like a different, yeah. she's not a different person, but we don't have arguments. But that's a hell of an admission. It is, it is. She didn't say it necessarily no, like she, that, but she did say it. She did say, like, you know, she said a lot of, I don't want to review it on YouTube, yeah. but um, yeah, no, it was, it was incredible. Like, it definitely made a difference. And now, if there's a problem, me or her will just be like, can you not do that? And this is why. And we'll be like, mm. yeah, sure, okay. And like, if we have a problem, my mum will just say, oh, I was wrong. And I'll do the same, and it's insane. It's really weird mm. to have that relationship with a parent because my other relationship is like not that. Let's put it like that. Sure, it's completely yeah. different. Yeah, completely absolutely. the opposite. Yeah. Um, I have a, a similar, but from slightly the other end of the extreme, that the overuse of apology in discourse, flipping flyby comments. Oh, sorry, Diane, I'm just saying, like, but when the time comes that I really do need an apology, mm. it doesn't mean. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and some, uh, yeah. someone I was working with called me up on this and was like, you, you, you apologise a lot. And I just thought it was being polite. Yeah. Mm. And she was like, you know that every time you misuse that, it really pulls the weight from when you should be using it. And how do you... Relationships. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, how do you actually apologise to someone? It's like, well, I, you know, I address my, my behaviour and say I'm sorry for it. Yeah, but you said sorry because you didn't pass them a fork. You know? Why, why, why is that, so suddenly that carries weight, does it? Because you've decided it carries weight? Imagine if you're the person that needs the apology, and they're like, oh, suddenly you've decided the fork didn't mean a thing, but this one does. Mm. And that would, would that not make you barbed? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, it really does. Yeah. Like, um, you have to be careful about how you apologize to people definitely. and what it means, you know? I think some people over-apologize. Mm. I definitely did this because they, they've been in an environment where they have to apologize all the time. Mm. Because if they don't, um, act in a submissive way around a particular person, then it's the end of the fucking world mm. as well. So there's like, the, it's a behavior that isn't great for people who aren't toxic, but it's something you need for people who are. 
at the same time. Oh, it's vital. Uh, yeah. I mean, in the times that I, I desperately need a, a sorry of, of sorts, um, I'm regrettably I've come up against times where it's like, well, I said I'm sorry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, so I can do it now. I pressed the button. Why are you not? Fucking <laughs> 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 button. <laughs> Why are you punching the desk? Yeah, that kind of stuff. So it's yeah, it's it's weird that seeing people do this and say the magic word and the magic word doesn't work and then they get angry about the magic word doesn't work and you're not being receptive to my apology mm. is that part that I've, I've seen a lot. Um, and I think that pride is the larger part of it. Yeah. Um, I have gone the other way in being overly effusive with my apology and realising that it's like the way to have it as well. And, and you know, weirdly, it requires you to walk on an emotional knife edge. You can neither do it absolutely correctly, you can't overdo it because it's insincere. You can't not do it because then you're unfeeling. Indeed. And to get that right, I'm now finding this many years, decades of into existence as I am, <laughs> that actually, no, you can't just occupy one opinion position on things and stick to it, and apparently it shows you have integrity if you stick to your guns. No, you need to be fluid. You need to be malleable, you need to be able to change. And unfortunately, as with losing weight, not drinking too much, uh, actually apologising, not being a dickhead, <laughs> you know, so much of this requires active concentration. Yeah. And walking that knife edge is, it's not just, well, I decided that I just don't like black and white films, so now I'm a film buff that doesn't like black and white films. Why? Oh, shit, don't let me think about it. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and this, that unspoken social contract is, is the thing that we will kind of need to do is being active and in the moment and being like, are you prepared to put effort into, into existing and socialising? Because otherwise you can fuck off to a Scottish island if you like. <laughs> we'll just have an umbrage with one of the seals then. Fuck you all. Never said sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's, it was really interesting. I think apology is definitely a, a, an important discourse within the culture of Britishness for sure. Because mm. we are known as the nation of apology. And yet we are also very passive aggressive about it, especially in sometimes. I think there's, we're still healing from, from the Victorian era. Mm. I think where, where you know, it, it, it sounds preposterous now, but it wouldn't be beyond someone to apologise after having an orgasm. So I think if that says something, then what's it say about our own behavioural things, about whether it's the dumb thing to, to I, I don't know, identify your desires, your wants, your needs, your ambitions, or anything like that, and as much as you would be able to embrace saying, I'm sorry I did something and I was really wrong also have the confidence to go, I want to do this, I just like doing this, if you don't like doing that's fine, but that's what I want to do. You are not supposed to have clarity on what you are driving towards, in, especially in, in performing arts. If you have, if you're seeing, I mean unfortunately for women, it still exists that if you are really driven, it's like, oh she's a bit, ambitious. oh dear, <laughs> oh it's like, but if you're a guy, it's like, yeah, he's probably honest against me, he's absolutely dogged, like, if you describe the behavioural traits of one of the people who's totally career-driven, in any other war, a war of existence and plane of a sort of white career or anything like that, it's a fucking sociopath. You know, yeah. no, take 637, it wasn't right, you know, like, yeah, come on, man, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, that, that's not okay. Stanley Kubrick, for as much as he was an absolute genius of a filmmaker, also probably very difficult to work under. I, I understand apparently he's a very nice man, but on your 67th take of being got at with a baseball bat or something like that, yeah. you're gonna feel shit, you know? And so, yeah, but he was really, really, he was striving for brilliance. 
What have you got in this first? <laughs> yeah. What's more important, his brilliance or the mental health of his actions? Yeah, yeah. at what cost? Yeah, yeah. exactly that. And it's, it's worrying to see that uh, the people who burn out the quickest are sort of like, yeah, man, what, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Right. Right. That's the next card there. The message inverted. Not the massage, the message. Yeah. Um, That's also come up every time. I'm yeah, pretty sure. That's another oh, this card. Um, I will read it to you. It's number 34. Oh. Message in a bottle. Lying on the deck, drawn up from the ocean depths among the fisherman's catch, lies a bottle containing a message. This card symbolizes the promise of a message, whether it comes by letter, telephone, from a friend, or there again, it may come from our own inner depths. The card warns us to be prepared and receptive to the message of its tidings of important news. And it's inverted. It's inverted. Right. So maybe it's bad news. If it is inverted, I should... Oh, sorry, yes. Um, my late grandfather, uh, in passing, rarely did do this, but would impart some incredible advice. And it was only ever on his own terms. That sounds like a sort of, oh, my daddy fucked me up, but it's like, no, he was an impossible person to communicate with for the most part. Um, when he did occasionally impart some advice, it was gold. Some of them, one time he said, uh, in our industry, and I think this is applicable across uh, all formats, any performing uh, art, he said, nobody ever uh, comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder, uh, and says, that's it, Sindon. You've graduated, it's the next level for you, and you can now demand this amount of money for the next show that you do. It will only ever be you that awards yourself that progress. You don't, you know, and I think this can be applied to, you don't receive an email from equity saying, as an actor, you are now on level three. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, you don't have an email from Metal Hammer going, congratulations, you have passed your exams, you are now going to have 16 inches of column, you know, rather than sort of, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to brag, but it's you know, yeah. well, read full anyway. sixteen. <laughs> we have extended your column, and that <laughs> but your header has now become a footer. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's it's true. That he was right in the sense that uh, nobody rewards or awards you with. A, poignant moment of like an anchor point of going this is this is your point that you, you've done it you did this right um he said in further on this that you have to put yourself into that next position the next job offer you get you can be like well you know actually at this time i'm charging 70p per hour rather than you know like oh you were 20p last week yes but i swallowed um you know the next stuff that you're doing if it doesn't work and, they, and it doesn't work with absolutely anyone at all, nobody catches onto it and you're left unemployed, then you've done it too soon, and that's just your own mistake, and that's what you're going to have to do. You just preempted it, we all make mistakes. And you go back to that, not square one, but the last one you're out, and hope that people catch back on, you know? But, nobody, whereas, let's say, you're working for, you know, Goldsmith Hound, or whatever, you know, wherever, in, in, in the city, and someone literally gives you a promotion. We, in our industry, we don't have promotions. We, we don't have those levels. You know, one cannot say realistically that Ishan is, you know, he is a star, you are a proto-star, you're a, you're a B-list. I'm a red yeah. wolf. Exactly. <laughs> Consuming all that goes around me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why I think that basically, like, you, 
we have an absence of, of communication about what professionalism means and what progress is, the, the results of it are, and whether the, you know, the meritocracy has allowed you to go this far. Mm. It is absolutely you daring yourself to go and do Are you precocious enough to go, actually, I cost more now? You know, because it used to be that the ever-changing, I mean, it's a bit like, you know, nowadays, kids are being brought up totally cognizant about the thing of the algorithm exists. All hell the algorithm. Nobody knows what the rules are, and as soon as you know what the rules are, they have to change it because that's what the algorithm is for, okay? Or the same absolutely applies with the whole of this industry. We have never been able to say this, you know, this guy is successful because every time that he does a film, his name is before Julia Roberts. Yeah, or, 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 or whatever it is. I remember a while ago when we were booking tours where it was down to how many MySpace fans we had. Mm. Okay, then it took something like a series of months for promoters who tended to be a little bit older than the bands to realise that you could buy MySpace uh, fans, yeah. as you can on Facebook and Instagram and everything like that. Um, so then they changed, they changed that because they were being, in essence, a living, breathing algorithm. Being like, well, we're going to change the goalpost because people get wise to it and, and exploit it. Um, and then it became like how many YouTube, you know, uh, uh, subscribers you have or something like that. And there's always this uh, indefinable, undefinable sort of like, you know, point that oh, this this defines success. Well, no, we'll just buy it. Or this this one does. And again, it was one me, what that means to me is, is is further verification that do not expect to be handed this opportunity. You have to go and find it. There is not a message that comes through to you going, well done, chap, next one. Yeah. It's, I think it rings very true because, you know, from the perspective of someone who is being on the side of employment as an employer, it's, um, you know, why on earth would you pay someone more if they're not asking for it? And why would you offer someone a promotion or pay someone that's going to be doing a good job regardless? Yeah. So, I mean, like to think. We live in a society where employees are like, well, that's great, so let's reward that person because they're working hard. Right. But it's just not the way it works. It's... But you saying I should ask for a raise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you just got to hit that wink and be like, if some people were so good. <laughs> if only that we can do 20 people. <laughs> Frightening other scale of that, just I'll try and do as, as compressed as I can. But my ex, uh, her mother, lovely woman. Um, have you ever heard of Pitsy in Essex? No. No. Probably a very good reason. You want to know the most famous thing about Pitsy in Essex? As the UK's largest Tesco. Wow. Oh, that's its crowning glory. Must be very good. Yeah, it's amazingly shit. Yeah. And um, so her job for the longest time. Mm. She worked in Tesco. She worked in Tesco. <laughs> and her job for absolutely fucking ages was the graveyard shift in that Tesco extra pitsy. And that means that they, she was literally, they, they come in when there's no fucker there, they'd have to put on not just gardening gloves, but stuff underneath it and stack the freezers because it's just terrifyingly bad for you. And she'd do all that and she plugged away at this shit for like 20 years or something mad like that. And um, uh, at one point they rather randomly went, Congratulations, Anne! You, we're going to give you the certificate. You know, the UK's longest-serving employee for Tesco. She's like, thanks. What? <laughs> and thanks, I hate it. Kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Fucking whatever. Thanks. And a certain period of time followed after it. She, she got contacted by like major management, going, "Can you 
come into the office, all right? Um, we want to give you a promotion. Don't want it. No, we're giving you a promotion. So, no, thanks. I, no, I'm happy where I am. Okay, don't know if you can't get in this. We're giving you a promotion. Like, uh, they have been told, the they, you know, the major management, because yeah. you, know, you know the investors in people, the IAP certificate, you, can, basically you kind of have to have that now as a yeah. UK company if you're large enough. You have to be seen to be nurturing all of your employees' sort of future interests yeah. in a career. They have been given a directive that if someone has been working for you under your company's employment for X amount of time, has been at one position, and that position is particularly tertiary, yeah. you fucked up and we can haul you up on it. You have to give them further progress and everything like that, yeah. promotion. They basically were doing, like, you know, in the army, you don't, you can get, of course, unceremoniously fired, you know, terribly from the army, but if you've done something a bit wrong and they're not going to drag you over the coals, they will promote you to a position that is untenable. Oh, like if you've tortured someone in Iraq, then they'll do that. Legit. Yeah. That's yeah. literally what a promotion Yeah, promotion, yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, and it's really scary, and I've met people who have had, who like, you're definitely a war criminal, why are you a major? That yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I'm a major because I had to resign. Like, man, you got off so light. <laughs> but, like, okay, but that's a nice way of, like, off your fuck. Yeah. yeah. So, for this one, for her, it was a case of you're having the promotion or we'll fire you. You know, so it's like, but she's, and her principle, though, was I don't want this. I earn exactly the right amount of money that I've paid off my mortgage, I give money occasionally to my children when they need it, and I can teach kids to trampoline on the weekends. Yeah. This is my existence, do not change it. I'm perfectly content. Uh, and they couldn't get around it. They just said, like, what? Why? Why don't you want to? And it really jarred, when the first time I heard it, I was like, but doesn't everyone want to progress? I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 she's found a comfortable position. Why does she want to move? Some people don't want to move. But I do get the thing of, why would you hemorrhage more money without someone asking for it? And that's, that there is, that's our capitalist society, that's just yeah. how, as it is. Because there are American companies such as Google where apparently, you know, they've tried to buck that trend by randomly, you know, giving you your ju just desserts and then avoid paying corporation tax. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. 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 Uh, I'm going to assume very good. That's yeah. good, isn't it? Pattern yeah. recognition, I'm on it. You're about to get your certificate? Oh. It's the tree, number 23. Oh, it doesn't look like a particularly happy tree, but okay. Oh, that's an interesting interpretation yeah. of the tree. Um, a stylized tree, it says, with roots and foliage equally emphasised is shown. Let me turn the page. That's in the description. This card symbolises growth, knowledge and development. It is a tree of life with its roots deep in the soil and past, giving strength to its branches. It stands for tradition, protection and strength of the family tree that links all men together. I'm assuming that... It's a bit old. So, yeah. sense of like, yeah. <laughs> it also uses yeah. like pause at one point as well, so... Yeah. The demanding pause. A woman like a demanding pause. <laughs> the tree does says that. Really? Yeah. Wow! Okay. <laughs> if you get the beauty card, you'll find out. Oh, wicked! Okay. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> I'm a male whore, what? A man! That'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, that's interesting because it's saying about the roots stuff, which I'll disinterpret in the way that people tend to be talking about roots now, about heritage and whatnot, mm. and the integrity of legacy and blah 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 and other such tropes. Um, I'm someone that is extremely concerned with. In, uh, more immediate legacy, like those that have come very immediately before me. Um, 
and a very tough learning curve came around when uh, I sort of had to realise that you you know perhaps bequeathing property, finances, whatever, isn't necessarily as fantastic as I thought it was going to be. My old principal, right, when my late grandfather was earning a certain point in his career, he had breached a certain income level of barrier that he uh, progressed to a thing called super tax, whereby over a certain bracket he was earning net one penny in every pound. Yeah. 99 pence would go in taxes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was set up at a time that it was sort of like, well, you know, you've earned enough. Now his argument constantly was, who is decreeing enough? Why have you decided that, oh, he's got enough money, he, they won't tell, whatever. And so he paid that for a long part of his career, okay? Did all right for himself. And then when he died, we then had to pay death taxes on what he had bequeathed to various parts of the family. This really irked me. Yeah. Now, I've slightly changed my tone in recent times because of basically being under this Tory rule for so long, you start being like, oh man, no, it is that bad. But, originally I was just like, how many times is it feasible to tax someone? Mm. I figure the way that it should be that yes, your social contract is you want to be part of the society, you have to contribute to it. That's not unfair. I think that's quite reasonable. And financially, it will take much. Do you like having a bins taken away and pay your fucking taxes kind of thing? Yeah. But, to expect that it's okay that once someone dies, then you penalise people further. Now, the thing is that at that time, I only saw taxes as a, like a penal code. A bit like, oh, that can't earn enough of that. And it's like, yeah, but that would be cool if there weren't people that were literally like at the, the poverty line and under. Yeah. Okay. And then there were other people that started sort of changing my perspective about going, but why is it okay for you to have inherited something that you didn't earn or buy? So I, my angle at the time was like, no, surely it should be a man's, a person's own decree to say, I want to protect my family by making sure they have a house to live in. Yeah. Okay. Whereas some serious people that I'm influenced by and good friends of mine are like, when I die, these are people of arguably the next generation, but the friend Dave said to me, when I die, I am leaving nothing to my children. So, and he was, he's not badly off pretty successful artist and everything, and when that happened, I sort of, it really threw me, I was just like, that's so fucking harsh. But he was like, why, why? It's, they haven't meant it. But, you know, I, I have housed and fed these people. <laughs> yeah. For the, to the point at which they become adults and fend for themselves. So why am I doing it again? You have a complaint, Hal, that you, you've got, you know, this person in essence got taxed twice. Why am I being taxed twice? I've provided for these people as my children, right? I've done it. Now, obviously, that raises huge ethical things, like, are you ever no longer responsible as a parent? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, many you, people will say that this is one opinion, and the other. it's not fact, it's not that's what this decree is, it's just that that's your opinion over it. I'm starting to come around to the thing, it's like, actually, no, well, that's that person's life. As much as I was concerned about matching the legacy of that, you know, my grandfather or whatever, there's also the thing of, like, well, don't, don't you know, if you're going to become resolved about not, you don't worry, I don't have to be here, then don't expect his money. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, yeah, the flip side of it, unfortunately, is it means I've become a little ashamed of um, when my grandfather died, so, parts of the family, I mean, it wasn't really a vast fortune by any means. If anything, my, he, was, he was sure to make bricks and mortar as the legacy. 
of it. And I totally get that. You know, they come from, that part of my family come from things like, if it's a building and you own it outright, that's your security. It's like, yeah, but that would suggest that buildings always stay up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But nevertheless, I, I, it's, it's come so perverse, actually, to me now. It's come around the other way, and I'm slightly ashamed of the fact that, shit, I haven't learned that part of this little bit that I've got a, a section of, <laughs> a fraction of. It's like, am I really do that sort of thing? But we'll see. I don't know. But it's just sort of like, how much do you rely or expect on roots and where you come from. Should you actually be chucked unceremoniously out of the family house door aged 18? Fuck off, make your own way. You know, is that a healthy thing to do? I don't know. Because effectively what you're doing, my friend is, is doing, is a version of that, that when he dies, you're on your own way. You know, so it depends which way you see it, I guess, but it's just, you're still booting someone out of protection. Do you feel a sense of, when you got your, what your grandfather gave you, did you feel a sense of, like, connection to what he gave you? Did you feel oh, like love Oh, I, I, I would have, I mean, of the nature of loss and grief itself is that you crave more. Yeah. You know? Um, on one hand, yes, and I would have loved for more so that I can inherit more and understand, and keep on drag bits and remember him by various material goods and everything like that. But as a friend of mine, another friend that I was working at another company for had said that um, if you inherit certain things, certain, let's say a house, uh, uh, fiscal elements, or even simply trinkets of their thing, you feel beholden to create a shrine for that person. And that is another anchor that's around your neck, mm. if that makes any sense. And is that entirely healthy? Probably not. Because you have, let's say, you want to go down the really, really extreme route of it, like you inherit the house, family house or something like that, and let's keep Grandpa's room like it was when he died. Like, yeah. fuck it, man, that's a room you're never going to use. Yeah. That's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and you imagine explaining that to, to a person who's ultimately pragmatic, and being like, yeah, we, we, we don't use that room because that's yours, Grandpa. Like, you idiots. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, so, it's, it's so yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have liked to hold on to more, but... If, there, if I get anything from this, is being taught that lesson is Every time you say it, it sounds like such a fucking platitude. But nothing is constant. Everything will die. So it's like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. I hope you feel better. But it's like, really nothing lasts. And, and I'm having, I thought that that was like, uh, cross that bridge when I die, or come to it. You know, that kind of thing. Don't worry, it'll happen in later life. No, it's definitely happening now. You know, careers aren't lasting. Parents are dying. Uh, you know, all this stuff and like what you thought you'd inherit and you don't inherit, why did you expect it in the first place and things just fucking go. And that has been so important to realise that and to sort of come to terms with it. Because it means that like as a married man, I mean now it is not the done thing to get married, it's like totally pointless. People are doing it for fiscal reasons, if, if that. Whereas I've done it from the rather thing, being a bit weird about it. I'm quite obtuse, our marriage is like, we've decided to, in the wake of everyone going, this is totally pointless, we're doing it because my wife and I have said, yeah, I'm not religious, she's a little bit, but I figure that if I give my word, bond, sort of thing. So what we figure out is neither of us owns each other, it's just that we're walking, deciding to walk through this bit, as in life, <laughs> hand in hand. There'll be times when she's behind and times when she's ahead, likewise with me. Or times when I'm going to have to carry on, or when I get exactly the same the other way. It's, it's a fluid thing. But it's, it's, it was folly to say, oh, don't, we're going to marry and we're always going to be like this. She's not going to have purple hair for the rest of her life. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, my beard will not always be pointy, but we'll all be looking at the same moon, you know, and it's, it's ultimately, I like the idea of going, well, yeah, we're just going to do it, do it together. There are times we'll be screaming at each other, but monarchy, but it's just like, I'm with that weird enough to say that I give you my oath. Yeah, to how I got to that from that. That's so yeah. romantic. <laughs> yeah. How long has yeah. you been married now? Uh, 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 we're married in 2011. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, and it's, it's been, we had a shit ton of people turn up to our wedding. Oh, this isn't a boast, I just love it. We had uh, 220 people at our wedding. Oh, no way. <laughs> it was really cool. It's one of the best parties I've ever thrown. That was fucking fun. Because it was sort of, you know, just at that age where like we were still like partying really hard quite regularly. And we're all there, like obviously the family are there, and we're like holding champagne, and it's going, it's fucking wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely to see you. <laughs> it, was, it was a brilliant event. It's like holding a house party, but inviting all your family as well. It's like, man, can we get completely ratted? Don't know. I remember seeing the pictures pop up on yeah. Facebook, so I didn't really know you properly yeah. at all. I, but I don't know if we know each other at all. That's cool, you know. <laughs> 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 She was like, yeah, I don't really know what to do with the dress. Don't worry, I'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and the the brief that I gave this this lovely person that we were working with that like um, I would rather it be a single piece dress rather than skirt corset sort of thing. On the <laughs> I'm okay saying this. Don't worry, she has okay. It's that the proviso was I want to be able to rip it off when we get back. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you that was actually the brief. <laughs> and as much as that was like, yeah, go on, lad. <laughs> we got back to the hotel. <laughs> You've got bright red. <laughs> I had to be cut out of my cravat. I'm getting back to the hotel. I'm gonna rip this bag. Fuck! 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 Don't be my cloth, babe. It's just so fucking hot. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, we, we decided to go full grey with, with, with that, and it was, it was great fun. Great fun. Yeah. Oh, very good. Big. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was it was good because it's just like a, not a lot of people sort of a lot a lot of our friends did the um, uh, what do you call it uh, uh, registry office kind of stuff. Yeah. Where it's just like quick, do yes, quite out, you know, sort of yeah. stuff, and we're like, no, I'm going to do it a little bit trying. Big yeah. cake, lots of fun. That's the thing, yeah. 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 Do you want to guess where the next card is? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit hard now. I think it's that. No. No, it will be that then. No. Oh, fuck! Okay, it's that? <laughs> yeah. Yay! Okay. Ooh, libido! I thought it said that! It's like, can't fucking be that. I won't pick on it. This is the... This is the... It's not the whole card, but it's... Oh, oh no, it's just falling apart. Oh, I think we've all, we've all played the whole card. <laughs> it's number 17. 
Alright, I love the art on that one. Yeah, that's good. Gonna, Peacocks are very much my spirit animal. They are gorgeous, I love the sound. Yeah, they're <laughs> completely elaborate, completely useless. <laughs> Can't fly, it's just like... <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. The men are much less functional than the female. <laughs> Alright, so... Peacocks are seen flaunting themselves in luxuriant gardens where a snake creeps through the foliage. A fountain gushes up in the background and flowers blossom in beauty to the fore. Libido is the Latin word for pleasure and has been used by psychologists to describe the upsurge of energy that is channeled into the sexual drive, the arts and other human activities. The card thus stands for... stands... wait... the card thus... <laughs> Let me try again. The card this oh fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize you're doing this to me at the same time. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> Go on then. You asked right. me to take pigs, babe. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's perfect. Thank you, darling. It's Instagram comedy. Okay. The card thus stands for freedom and particularly sexual pleasure. The snake can be seen as the serpent in the Garden of Eden or as another joyous manifestation of the life force. This card also implies an awakening awareness of the self and the psychic force of the Kundalini. The psychic force of the Kundalini. Very interesting, okay. <laughs> you a Kundalini... Uh... Uh, I don't necessarily fully subscribe to it, no. Um, I, I, I did have a, have a bash at the um, reading the Karma Sutra. I didn't actually try that much in it. Um, I, I, it, I think a lot of it was lost on me, um, but I read it in pre-teen, I think, so... Well, it's probably not the best time. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, it was the best, and I was like, no, 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 thank you. Yeah, it was, um, no, it was, it was certainly intriguing. Um, I'm, I'm not as into necessarily some of the Eastern sort of spirituality of, of, of sex, or at least the last time I looked into it in any depth, I wasn't. That could be revised. You know, it hit the UK in the 18th century. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Arabians were depraved. Mm. And they were fully subscribing to this Kundalini shit. Oh, which yeah. was brought over by a guy called Count von Zinzendorf. Excellent. A brilliant name for a snake sex guy. A <laughs> snake sex guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, 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 in the sort of, um, what is it, uh, Blasphemy and Sedition Act? in England, um, which was on its merry way to being repealed at sort of kind of turn of the century thing. But you know the uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover, mm. which was a key point in, in contentious litigation of, um, it was brought up under the Blasphemy and Sedition Act, and it was absolutely disgusting and immoral and everything like that. And it's, it's intriguing that obviously if you consider the name of the act itself, it's that something was obscene, it's therefore seditious and against God. Now, it's describing carnal acts. If anything, I mean, having read Lady Shackley's Lover, I'm like, I'm not really that into it. It's just, they have sex, there you go, great. Yeah. But it was, oh, fucking hell, for Victorians. And the case was lost when the last summation was given by the prosecution. And the QC that gave to it, and really, I must ask members of the jury, would you allow your staff to read such an act of disgusting? You know, like, <laughs> allow your staff, and it's like that hits such a point, a class war point of just being like, you know, you are so out of touch. Yeah. Allow your staff to read that. But, yeah. The um, libido thing, uh, for two years running now, I've been on the panel for the London Fetish Film Festival. It had its inaugural year last year. Um, arguably long since overdue. Uh, why not? Why should it not be represented? Um, however, this year we, we ran into some really intriguing things with it, in that um, 
in discussion only this week, funny enough, with my fellow panel members about deciding where the boats should lie and where really the people would mind about. About, uh, put it this way, I had invited a load of people to see, because it was an online event, obviously, as you might imagine, um, and uh, a good programme was put together by our curator, and <coughs> there was a point at which one film was being shown um, that involved a particular act that I had a lot of my friends message me going, mate, I'm out, that's my hard limit, sorry, there you go, that's it, done. And I myself was like, yeah, I'm not really into <laughs> that one, I'm, I'm kind of, I've seen it before because I had to you know, see everything. And I was like, no. So I raised it with my fellow panel members to say, not that we should never do that again. It's more that I just want everyone to be aware that uh, from a point of audience <coughs> retention, viewer retention, just be aware that we lost a lot of people when that happened. Mm -hmm. Is this something that we should take on board? And then we realise that it's this really peculiar position, this dichotomy that we have of are we entertaining people or are we occupying a position that is underrepresented? Do we need to care about, like, are we trying to keep, retain a, a body, an audience, this thing, or if either the flip side of it is that we self-censor, mm. which is totally against what we're standing for kind of thing. And of course, with, with libido stuff, it, 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 did, it prompted me to have a bit of a self-reflection and going like, you do need to expose yourself to things to know whether you like them or not. It, that is not a blanket rule, it's not universal language. There are certainly some things one should right. repress. Right, Yeah. For instance, I, uh, heroin is off the menu. Yeah. I smoked it unknowingly once. What the fuck? Yeah, I was 15, um, and I wasn't told that it, it was uh, uh, basically uh, super skunk that had someone had just decided to, to put heroin in it, and so I absolutely bottomed out. It was not a good occasion, very uncomfortable, don't want to do it again, thank you. Main reason I don't ever really want to try heroin is I can't bring myself to inject. Because as much as I'm pierced up to high hell, I'm not great about the change of pressure. Uh, you know, the, the vascular changing. The, not that I think that my veins are going to suddenly explode, I just don't have the concept of it. Yeah. So thankfully it means I'm no, not going to be using heroin anytime soon. Um, so I know that I don't... Similarly, I don't need to experience murder to know that <laughs> you probably shouldn't fucking do it, you know? Um, however, the, the, you know, there are friends of mine who are... It, within my circle of friends within the fetish and kink community, one of them once described me as fringe kink. Not a hair-based thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, um, as far as they were concerned, I sort of like dabble on the outskirts of it. Oh, okay. Right, so my friends that are not into it are like, fuck, not into the stuff you are. Like, what do you think I do with that peacock? Um, <laughs> but it's sort of, uh, I, I, I know categorically that they're, they're each of my friends, that I've not going like, come to the dark side kind of thing. I'm not trying to sort of pervert people in that way, but it's more that the friends that have come and like, I don't know, do that. Some of my friends do this. Some of my friends make fun to do this, and uh, most of them, I can't say all, most of them have gone, that was quite cool, you know? Yeah. And like, and I'm yet also to encounter anyone that went, that was quite cool, and then came back to me where, my life was so much simpler before that, you fucked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, 
I don't, I'm not sort of suggesting that it's sort of this wandering messiah of kink of being like, I tell people what they didn't know they wanted. You know, it's not that simple, it's, but there is something to be said about exposing yourself to unusual experiences. Um, I, you know, one has to have, uh, carry a sense of responsibility with it, I think. I think you have to have a lot of responsibility yeah. and boundaries and knowledge of consent. And when to pick up when someone isn't enjoying something and not necessarily able to say that they're Precisely. not. And I don't mean bound and gagged, unable to go, you know, it's like, you always give someone a safe word, but sometimes, and I would be a class example of this if I wasn't into it in the first place, is that my politeness is such that I don't want to tell someone I'm not enjoying something. Yeah. So that could lead to some really rapey situations if I were so inclined. Um, for instance, what I meant perhaps initially was that like, if you want to go and experience something, like, I don't know, I want to get pissed on by a priest. Weird thing to do, yeah, I'm not into that myself. Uh, but if you wanted to experience it to see if you like it, it would not quite be the prudent or polite thing to do. As soon as it happens, you're like, nah, fuck this, don't like it. <laughs> Stand up and walk off. Yeah. Because it's like, that person's been good enough to, to indulge in something. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean? So it's, I, I think there has to be a point of responsibility of going like, you can't just go around and go, oh, I'm going to experience everything. If I don't like it, I'll tell them to fuck off. Yeah, you've got to be careful with people's libidos because it's a, it's a, it is an occasional fragile thing. You can't just also go up to someone and be like, can you shit on me, please? It quite, exactly. Which is, yeah. happens. Oh, uh, yeah. It does yeah, happen. It does, it yeah. does. And I, I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> 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 but I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, areas like that, I'm not that really into it. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's more that I, I mean, for, yeah, there you are, there's an example. I, I can pretty conclusively tell you that I have no interest in being shat on. Uh, scat isn't my thing, and it's merely because there are too many things that we would involve that I've already experienced of myself that I just don't really want to have that happen near me from anyone else, frankly. No, no, not for me. So the whole rule of, oh, don't knock it until you tried it, is like, no, don't worry, yeah. there's elements of which I've tried to, and no, thank you. Sometimes you just try it in your mind, and that's enough. That's enough, yeah. that's absolutely it, but, you know, I mean, for instance, you just, I, what I love is seeing, like, you know, friends of mine that I love and cherish dearly as friends, suddenly go, why is that hop? It begins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I never thought you could pretend to be a cat. Fortunately, you can. But if you like it, that's cool. You know, it's like you, you start to see people going like, what? And there's actually a very sublime moment in human interaction when you, you have the honor and benefit of seeing someone realize they found something that's mind that, oh my God, that's so hot. <laughs> really? <laughs> so does that mean if I show you this, which oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's like this, but with cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the end of a pole? No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, the libido is a delicate thing, that it's, um, rather than necessarily the sort of frail, the frail uh, uh, you know, uh, ego of a, of a man or anything like that, I do think that libido is, is across all genders. Uh, and because I am sensitive about my own, I prefer to be sensitive about everyone else's. That's a very um, good way to be. Know, I think it's only fair, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of um, cats, I'll tell you who definitely is into pretending to be a cat. It's George Galloway. What's that clip on? He was on Celebrity Big Brother for a decade and a half ago. Really? Do you know what? Yeah. You don't know this clip? Yeah. It was him and Will Lester. He drinks the milk. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was just... It was, I want to drink the milk. Would you like me to be the cat? And it was... Um, yeah, it's good watching. <laughs> I, I, I've got a story about Will Lester, if you like. <laughs> yeah, 
I was, yeah, I was doing a Shakespeare with her up in Ludlow in 1999. Who's her? Rula Lenska. Oh, okay. Uh, a fabulous actress, really very good. She has maintained being a certain age for decades. <laughs> it's quite incredible. Um, and uh, lovely, lovely person. But she unashamedly is quite predatorial, shall we say. <laughs> and we had a... Uh, uh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. No, well, yes, not quite. It's, uh, I, was doing this, yeah, I was doing this play and for some reason the, the director, I think, perhaps took a shine to various things and had me pretty much snogging to so many people in the cast and it was very strange. And uh, one of them was Rula and, uh, shall we say, she didn't hold back. Uh, and that was great fun and there were photos and when I sent the photos of the rehearsal process to my family, like, that's Rula, what's Rula doing to her? Oh my God! <laughs> One of the offsides of there's a lovely fellow called Terry who um, was, I was playing the two villains, sort of, unsurprisingly perhaps. <laughs> seriously, in my acting career, I have lost count of the amount of times that I'd have been cast as Satan. Typecasting is typecasting, but I have other strengths too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have a pointy beard at the time. Like, There's something about the man. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Um, so yeah, yeah that, that happened. So I was playing the two villains, and one, <laughs> lots of stuff happened on that that production. It was the worst injury I've ever had in my life, for instance. Uh, Life-altering injury, uh, but uh, and not through not through snogging through the lens growth. Point out, it's too divided. But this fellow called Terry, who was a sweet guy, who was playing one of these sort of kings. Is the, the play was Pericles, and um, my entrance in the first part of the play was through a trapdoor in the ramparts of Ludlow Castle, Amazing. and I had to sort of like and was, I was naked <laughs> doing this address, and then my exit was that. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, Jimmy, the director, decided that it was pertinent for me to kiss everyone. <laughs> also, Terry's character, which is this king. And Terry, shall we say, like Ruler, didn't hold back. <laughs> there is a state... Yeah, okay, on screen, if you have to kiss someone, you can tell if you're not into it, right? You kind of do have to kind of slightly go for it. You don't have to fuck people at all. And you can if you want to, if it's both consensual. But a screen kiss is a screen kiss, unless we're talking the 1930s. But I do so love so terribly well. It's just weird. They just headbutt each other with lips. They just yeah. touch their lips against <laughs> yeah. each other. And they just put them really hard. They're like, yeah, it's like they touch their lips. Like yeah, it really did look that way. But stage kiss, you don't have to tongue someone, right? You don't really have to French kiss at all. You can get away with it. If you're a fair distance from the audience. They'll not tell. <laughs> not according to him. Uh, <laughs> and after a while, you know, as a bisexual guy, I'm well, fine. All right, cool. And I'm an actor. You, you, you do things, but like I've got to it from a personal level. It's just like you kind of don't need to do this. I'm not that into you. You know, you can yeah. pull this back a bit, literally. Uh, and I was kind of verging on the thing of being like, yeah, I don't know. Now up at the Ludlow Festival, um, which is where we were performing, we were the headline thing of it, and we were there for quite a while. A fair run of it. Uh, it's still that part of Shropshire where it's this kind of like trad existence may have changed now, but as is the, 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 the want of for, for many years, you're up there, you're a play, you invite the key members of the town to the final dress rehearsal before the first night. Yeah. Okay? As a preview. Yeah? But what we're talking is that at that time it's the mayor, the mayor's wife, the mayor's goldfish, the mayor's goldfish wife, the local <laughs> abbot, 
<laughs> the bishop, the oh. vicar, the everyone. The whole chessboard. Or, the whole fucking chessboard. <laughs> and you can imagine that they think they're coming to see a Shakespeare. I'm getting tongued senseless by most people. <laughs> Gay Shakespeare. <laughs> Gay Shakespeare, yes. right? Yes. And this thing happens, <laughs> and then... So this kiss happens, and it happened within the first, I don't know, like seven minutes of the play <coughs> happening, okay? And you could audibly hear the intake of breath oh. in the preview. And I thought, like, something happened. No, 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 it's like someone's been stabbed or something. It's like, and it, I don't mean like, oh, it's one of the, oh, kind of thing. I'm like, oh, fuck it. And then the message came from, I think it was the abbot or something weird like that. But basically, seriously, it was as near as down at a cease and desist. You will, you will remove that from the play, that kiss. I went... 180, like, come here, Terry. No, no, Absolutely getting yeah. my tongue down your throat, your throat, your throat. <laughs> Everyone's getting fucked, and we're doing it on stage. <laughs> How dare you say <laughs> You didn't object to the girl being kissed, did you? Ooh, now I'm gay and angry. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we really fucking kept that in. Yeah. For a while. And yeah, no, really, you know, she was uh, she's great fun. Absolutely great fun, but when I when the photos came back there from the rest of the entire family were like, fucking hell, habits don't die young, do they? Because <laughs> like a lot of my family are active really real as well. It's like same experience. How many generations of symptoms do you want to get through? <laughs> uh, there you go, the video. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that card's definitely uh, I'm not gonna make a joke. Um, no, that's the next card. Oh fuck! Oh, you're a horny prison! Right. That's 37. Or prison, as we like to call it. <laughs> should be ruler, should be the one that normally prison. Uh, <laughs> Jail bait. This one's pretty short. Right. Um, a manacled prisoner languishes behind bars, but the sunlight floods into the cell. This card stands for those situations where we are seemingly trapped, where the key is turned on us, and we have no freedom of action. It's good lighting. In that. <laughs> it's like a good short well, film, it's a yeah. you reviewed in your festival, perhaps. Well, this is it. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a king, though. <laughs> but it's backlit and you can see all of his face. It's a phenomenally difficult thing to do um, when you're shooting with like, broad sunlight. You know, because you get the backlit mm. thing, but you've got to bounce everything it's back up. Frizz. to the, Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, for instance, with like, fine art and everything like that, this is an amazing thing that when you look at, say, I suppose, leading from Renaissance up to yeah, I'd say sometime around the 19th century, is that I don't know how this was missed, or, yeah, just missed, really, from fine art, that nobody considered the focal fields and perspective. You've got, like, right, one of the five, the true masters in my mind, like, Canalesso, you can, there are people in the Restoration of Venice who have uh, used a Canaletto painting to know what the dimensions of the building would be that they were restoring. That's he, was, he was that accurate. Damn. I mean, that's... I didn't know he was that accurate. Yeah, I mean, no. he invented perspective. Yeah. Was it Giotto or was it kind of... Well, I mean, it was those guys, yeah. 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 But isn't that amazing that he was doing that from, you know, kind of things. Not measuring literally like, I want how many yards is that. He was just, he was doing it from my but he was that fucking good. The restoration projects use Canaletto as reference material. I mean, it's that's as good insane. as a photo. 
that's it's the same with horses. Have you noticed? They mm. couldn't do horses till like the nineteenth century. Really weird. It's isn't really it? strange yeah. how people just don't know how to draw horses. Well, you ever tried to try to draw one? They move. I haven't. Well, <laughs> to the what, on the page or? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, but I mean, it's why there aren't that many you know, photos of a good steeplechase. But it's like, yeah, I, I, I understand that, you know, with a lot of animals that are faster moving, it's like you can get one to stay still. I mean, with the dogs stuff, they just used to give the dogs laudanum. Oh! So you've got, you've got plenty of dogs but sleeping. Yeah! Right? Not ones that are like pointers and, you know, poinsettias and everything like that. But in any case, it just seems bizarre that n nobody kind of went. Okay, if I look with one eye and try to look at that bit and then that bit, that no, it's out of focus. And nobody started introducing this until let's argue. I mean, that's not terribly long, but until the impressionists came in and sort of like the human, the eye realism sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I adore stuff like Titian and, and everything like that, where you've got uh, a diorama that's you know, like twelve or eighteen foot large, and you can go over and you can have a fucking. And then it's like, then they get there's someone standing in the foreground and they're perfectly in focus as well. Um, but yeah, just in relation to those, like getting lighting right, it's like, you know, you sort of look at like Renaissance stuff and it's like, but how would they have been lit then? But then, have you ever seen the Bayer tapestry? Yeah. 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 Stunning, but <laughs> fucking nightmare in terms of like, is he standing on top of him? Or is he just slightly further away? Are you sure horses look like that? Yeah. <laughs> Weird! Help! <laughs> maybe they did, and we just don't know. Maybe they just saw a cartoon vision yeah. back then. Well, just maybe they're just like that, and the camera shot was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Shoot me! Because <laughs> it's a Cronenberg version. Yeah. <laughs> the Bear Tapestry is the earliest body horror piece. <laughs> Restriction, yeah. I mean, uh, I suppose I just uh, link that to being sort of uh, breaking through different forms, like between you know film and music. And sort of, there are people who would love for you to be identified with this art, but that's what that guy does. Please keep doing that. We get confused. <laughs> you know. Yeah. If you do get yeah. from a sound, it's like, oh, do it bad. Yeah. Yeah. There, I had this. You read the comments stuff, mm. and there's a guy that said on the the more recent video that we did for Andy Bieber that he was like, um, let me just ask, do you think that like the early '90s stuff is better? It's like, I'm sorry to be argue semantics here, but you use the term better. Like, it, that would imply that, they're, that the band are writing on a polarised point of existence. The time. Like, they can just elect to go, oh, we'll just do it like the 90s again. Yeah. It, it won't be the same. <coughs> and even if they do an impression of what they were doing at the time, it won't be the fucking same. No. It's the thing is, was pizza better in the 90s? <clears throat> It was pizza. That's, you know, that's the thing. That's pizza it. has changed. Yes, for sure. undeniably. Different but flavors and bases. So weird. Yeah. I remember the time when the most exotic, you know, go and have an exotic like foreign foods, satay sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's got peanuts in it. I thought we've had peanut for a while. It's got peanuts in it. Shut up and eat it. You know that kind of stuff. Like that, that was literally the most exotic. Oh, you've you got the cheese and pineapple sticks. All you have satay. I remember my hummus and olives at school were like a point of extreme exoticism, yeah, fetishy exoticism. I was like, oh, what's that? What are you eating? It's some weird paste, and now it's a waitress everywhere. You know? Now you just order it in. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> hummus now. No, they, they, they really do. Yeah, um, the, the, I, I saw someone. Oh, that's it! Someone's done Marmite hummus. 
Yeah, I oh, saw that. Really? In, oh, it's disgusting. I've not tried it. Would <laughs> I would give it a like, um, I would um, bother all hummus. There are all like <laughs> Christmas foods now. Have you seen it? It's really? like a stuffingy pig in blanket kind of pork pie. English food thing, one of those cup, <laughs> and this is called the muck. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Foreign muck. <laughs> you know, you know how the horses look like someone didn't understand what they were. That's what's going on in Nina's brain when she looks at Draw English food. An English food. <laughs> Toad in the hole? That one. Yeah, that's, 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 I don't know what spotted dick is. Uh, it's basically, you can get treated for it. <laughs> uh, we were on tour in, we were in like Liverpool or something like that, and it was one of those, we had a drink that night of the show, and we sort of woke up a little bit league and we were like, oh, I can have a greasy spoon. Went to a greasy spoon, and they were like, can I have um, breakfast, 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 and until we got to the R1 vegetarian in the back, yeah, can you have a, ve uh, like a vegetarian breakfast? Yes, yes, we do. Okay, right, and they bring it out. And it's like beans, egg, alright, okay, fine, it's not vegan, but right, it's fishing, might be able to get away with that, and black pudding. That's the So John was like, hi, I did all of the vegetarian ones, is that coming out? So I'm no, no, it's uh, vegetarian, you want a vegetarian breakfast, is? That's, that's black pudding, yeah? Black pudding isn't vegetarian. Yeah, no, it is, it's black pudding. <laughs> what, what is black pudding? Yeah. It is uh, pudding, it's black. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's made from blood. No, no, my friend. <laughs> no, it's literally made from blood. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we watched them do it, just go behind the counter, scrape it off, bring the plate back. <laughs> That's not how it works. You literally just scrape the blood off my arm. I'm vegetarian. Quite strange. Yeah, I think I had it once, and it, it's just the, the black pudding. I've not had any spotted dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. One can lead to the other. <laughs> Spot, spotted dick is like a raisin pudding. Is yeah. it? What? Is it raisin? Yeah. It's like yeah. um, it's, it's a it's, it's a bit like a Victoria sponge full of raisins. Yeah. Kind, kind oh, of. It's horrible. kind of a pastry kind sponge. Of. Yeah, yeah a pastry sponge. sponge. I'm not. I'm not a fan. That legit sounds yeah. horrific. No, but yeah. Why would you put raisins in anything? You know that there's a colour right. thing of like, oh, the English don't have any identifiable. I, I'm not going to make any comments on that. Right, but right. Okay. All sexual connotations aside, if you give someone a full English. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I've tried to put them aside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I scrape it off the edge of the plane and get it back. the likes of you. But yeah, the full English is known worldwide as one of the most colossal breakfasts you can have. Okay. But have you ever had a Turkish breakfast? Oh, oh no. It's I, a I, paragraph I, of food. It took two months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very much dinner when we finished. Um, yeah, and the other thing is also what the French called us for the longest time. And they're sadly they don't anymore. The, we, we were R-O-S-B-I-F's. Rospies. But that literally is as it sounds. It is, we are the roast beefs. Because you know how like, Americans, we were limeys. Because oh, we were literally were travelling with lime because it's the easiest, most transportable source of vitamin C. Mm. But um, the, the roast beef is just, we were obsessed with just like, a cow, burn it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done. They just love roast beef, you know, and it's like, yeah, that, that we, we do kind of have quite identifiable markers of, of cuisine. Yeah. It's just been subsumed into an international cuisine. But every now and again you come across something. That, for instance, what's the 
uh, to Turkin. What? Oh, the duck and the turkey. Yeah, it's a bit inside a bit. That was fine. It will fly. It, you have to train a tiny starling to fly into a duck, and then train that duck that contains a starling to fly into a goose, and then into a swan, and then resurrect Henry VIII so he can go, bang on, get it up. Was this the video that people didn't like? At the uh, film festival. Yeah, yeah. Wives of Windsor, just not sad. Yeah. Um, yes, that, that, that I do. That we do have an identifiable cuisine. It's just unfortunately the Second World War um, with rationing and what have you oh, yes. meant that for some unbelievably weird reason, uh, people decided not just blanching food but boiling it to within an inch of existence. And therefore, made it totally, rendered it completely tasteless. And fruit became just yeah. strange. Yeah. But there is a very valid reason for blanching something in the cooking process, whatever boiling it. But you don't do it for long. But we just got into the thing of boiling cabbage until it was basically see-through, which is fucked. Yeah. yeah, it's really weird. But we do like Christmas dinner is Christmas dinner. <laughs> it's it's I know I mean it's the most super basic thing in the world. But if you look at what the herbs and spices we have available to us, I would say naturally within arguably the last 500 years. So you've got easily stuff like basil, which yes, of course, does grow in Italy, but as far as Italy, but we have it. Yeah. Parsley, certainly. You know, oregano, we have this, like that. So the, it's now regarded as a kind of pan-European herb palette, but we have that available and we use it in a certain way. And that was English cuisine for the longest time. It's just the second world war that fucked it. <laughs> so basically, it's the Germans' fault. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but it's, it, honestly, I, 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 it's, it ain't that bad. Yeah. I, I, my experience with many school dinners and Which is horrific! Pretty school dinners are crunchy, lots of weird rocks and hair, I don't really horrific. understand how they got there. My parents are Scottish, so I'm kind of from <coughs> a different type of British cuisine, so... That, that's, yeah, that's different, and I, I've got a rule, I don't know if I'm being difficult about it, I've decided, because I haven't ha yet had haggis, I really want to, but I've decided I want to have it in Scotland. Yeah, I think that would be smart. Do you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. sort of like, otherwise you're... Like, if, if you, you, one would not necessarily uh, go to a, the, the dead centre of England, to the town there, and order seafood. No, exactly. Right? Because yeah. you know that's travelled some fucking distance. Yeah. Even with refrigeration being what it is, it's probably going to be dangerous. Intrinsically, it's the Scots are just dangerous anyway. <laughs> so, you know, you just kind of like, only have a haggis and hope they don't headbutt you. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's how it works, I believe. And then, of course, if they have daylight, you can just confuse them. Like, Look, the sun! What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can attest to that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I am assuming that one. No. Oh, so it's the future. Yeah, this is the the projection. Oh shit. <coughs> what will it be? The wheel. The wheel. Inverted. The wheel is okay. Oh. Can you invert a wheel? Um, By its virtue. <laughs> just to. I'm gonna be really difficult about that. There's what's around the wheel. You can order it's plane. Oh. I suppose so it's about time. Can you invert a plane? Yeah. Yeah, if it's a two well, If you just look at it from the, different aspect, it from the different aspect of what you're looking at. So if you're looking at... Well, not a curve. <laughs> 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 Alright, I'm going to read the wheel. Um, a water wheel turns in the stream, driving the unseen mill above it, with a strong brick wall shown, whilst golden fish swim among the reeds. This card represents the principle of things endlessly changing and forever staying the same. It stands for constancy and persistence. Like the, uh, is it, is it, was it Don Quixote about fighting the, uh, windmills? Windmill, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that is, windmills. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, 
it's, it's a lovely an allegorical tale, you know, I think it's, it's, it stands to that very much, but, you know, it's supposed to be that um, the only thing that is, uh, that you can rely on is change, which, you know, another of these platitudes sort of things, so I think things are going to move. I thought that it was always that there's only two things you can rely on in life, and that's death and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the wheel, I suppose, uh, I, I am not, I'm going to sort of maybe sort of conversationally flip the table that I, I, I don't subscribe to fate or destiny or... Well, that's probably like that. why it's inverted. I imagine so. Yes, yeah. exactly that. I, 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 I find the concept of predeterminism utterly terrifying. Okay. And out of that fear, I have arrived at a point of relative resolution over how I perceive time to exist. Um, first and foremost, I am utterly solipsistic. I can't prove that it's all only happening to me. You know, I, I, it doesn't mean I lack empathy. Well, that's a bold thing to say. I'm very, I've so a lot of empathy, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know anyone else's mind. Yeah. I can't prove that everyone else exists. I just know what I'm experiencing right now. If it's in a simulation or whatever it is and it's all a dream, fine, whatever but I do know that I'm at least experiencing it. Um, and the concept that there is an other that is somehow governing, because if, if uh, go down that slightly populist route of like, oh, if there is a God, you must be phenomenally cruel. It's more that just, I just find that a terrifying concept, that there's something that I have no, you know, this, I could get, I don't know, beaten up or arrested tomorrow. Yeah, I can't necessarily change that, but, it's, it's not that I'm going to get beaten up forever, <laughs> you know, it's this yeah. kind of thing. I just don't see it. I, 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 I like chaos. I really am. It's not just that I'm resolved about it. I, let's, go, let's go full games workshop. And if it were, Sonesh, all the way. Of course. <laughs> 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 cool. It's just not going to be fucking cool, is it? <laughs> I mean, first album is okay. <laughs> but, um, so, like chaos, I think I, I, I couldn't be more of an adherent to it. I, 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 I see myself, if we were to use, let's say, visual uh, metaphors and everything like that, I see myself in the form of existence as hurtling through absolute chaos. Um, and it's like when you have a sparkler as a kid, and if you can kind of look at it quick enough, <laughs> you do that, and it does that thing of like all of its flares are going yeah. that way, and it looks like Hades Comet. Um, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It's uh, a spark that's very definitely going to have a finite point that's going to run out, you know, as far as I'm aware. But it's just hurtling through that and nothing's to find the, the other side of it. I can't tell you what direction, because it's not a direction. Yeah. <laughs> if we go all, you know, weird about it. But yeah, I, 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 I think that the chaos is, it's, I like the unpredictability of it and I like the fact that I have some agency as much as I'm prepared to award myself. It's, it's interesting how people seem to be either one or the other camp. You get people that take comfort in the fact that they don't know where things are going. But then there's others that just are so freaked out by the idea that their life doesn't have structure or mm. that much significance in the grand scheme of things. Mm. And I think that also goes down to the whole rather scary thing of like the conspiracy nuts where it's sort of like, I do agree with this thing that's been, of course, a lot of people read it now, but it's the thing of like, so much conspiracy theory is based on the it's fear of like how can it be chaos? How how is they it that they need nobody, someone to be yeah, controlling the world? Yeah. How is it that nobody is controlling this shit? Because 
Surely, it's so cool. <laughs> it's yeah, like, because it's so cool, it's got to be some horrible people. There's yeah. got to be one demographic that we can just delete. Yeah, and I just wonder that, you know, sometimes... Because I, I, I regret I have a number of friends that I've lost to full-on, hyper-scale tinfoil hatchery. Okay. Their hat is like this fucking big, you know, and it's like many stages. It's a sombrero, tinfoil sombrero. Really? But one of those cartoon sombreros. It's like, what? Satellite <laughs> <laughs> dish kind of stuff. Yeah. But really, uh, I have so two ideas that one of them I've noticed that many of my friends that are in that embedded into that conspiracy thing is like spend time around good company. Yeah. And the distress slightly melts away. And the distrust slightly melts away in good enough company. Just remember when we could have fun without suspecting that the fun was big fun. You know? That's now. <laughs> I'll do it now. <laughs> um, but just to say that the, the, the other thing is just that um, uh, the other one is just to go and spend some time, I don't know, on, if you can afford it, on safari. Mm. And go and have a look genuinely at nature and realise that Werner Herzog was absolutely bang on right. There isn't this okay. glorious beauty in nature and no, it's fucking murder and horror yeah. and malice and ill and disgusting stuff and other things eating other things when they're not even fucking hungry. Yeah. That is what we are living in. And just because we've decided we're civilised doesn't mean that that is not the most dominant force. Yeah. Before we stop, I need to put my Blake hat on. Because <laughs> 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 I fucking love William Blake. Mm. And he has a poem called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell mm -hmm. that he wrote before he started his prophecies. And in that poem he writes, without opposition is no progression. And he draws this guy hurtling through the sky in like a spiral. Mm. And this guy's like, fuck. And that's Adam, and that's his idea of like, there's no good and there's no evil. Mm. It's all just fucking us travelling through space at hundreds of miles per hour. Mm. And we're all twisting around and all the... Stuff that comes at us, like restriction is a form, it breeds creativity. That's what happened to him when he was trapped between this horrible, like, religious pressure that he was under. He wanted to be the spiritual Kundalini guy. Yeah, and he suffered from doctrine horribly. Yeah, he yeah. fucking hated that I shit. don't subscribe to the thing that it is necessary for an artist to suffer in order to create an I can agree with you there. Because yeah. if that were the case, then Lord Byron wouldn't have made such incredible poetry. The man didn't want for money. Yes, and then every single person who's gone through hardship would be Shakespeare, and there would just be too many Shakespeare's. I mean, the Tories would have created an absolute breeding ground. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise Nelson Mandela would have made the most wicked concept albums. <laughs> <laughs> His guitar would fucking rip, yeah. But Winnie, I'm stuck again, five. <laughs> the triple disc edition. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, however... Certainly, opposition will, will, will breed that, but I, 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 unfortunately, sometimes it's slightly used against a lot of creative people being like, yeah, oh, you've, got to, you've got to suffer for art. No, you don't. He meant historically. Yes, that's yeah. absolutely yeah. that, that breakthrough mold, but yeah, mm. definitely. Um, I think that Blake was a fascinating character, but also not entirely without some faults. Oh, absolutely. But one can't help but notice that the absolute prevalence at the moment now with so many. Uh, commercial, like, being blockbuster movies, okay, tentpole fucking uh, uh, superhero movies and shit like that, that more and more and more and more that the anti-hero is becoming the everyman. Oh, God, yeah. 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 We don't all know which movies you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, right? Yeah. You've got yeah. to have a flawed hero. You wouldn't hero. understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, he's been through some shit, and he's got a time for That means it's okay. That means... You can go yeah. shoot up a school, Yeah. You know. well, thank you, that's the thing. It's like, 
you know, it's, it's the acceptable anti-heroism of a, like, oh no, he's got some problems in the... It's not that he beat up his wife, he just didn't like her. Body, <laughs> 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 would you eat? Yeah, I wondered about that. Well, was I saying this last time when I said I think we did talk about cannibalism. It's between the fingertips is meant to be the tastiest part. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, like this bit or this bit? Well, between the fingers, Space. sorry, not between the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Are we just going to do this every half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is that supposed to be the... I don't like bony bits. I don't want finger. I, I want thigh. I, I would, when I'm usually training, uh, uh, because of the my build and everything like that, I had X sort of basically fat kid and everything like that. My chest has always been large, and even having not trained in a while, it's still sort of there. But you just train it gets harder. Uh, I once had a girlfriend that had bigger tits. Now um, I know that when I die and people want to consume me, I would advise the breast. Yeah, as, as long as I've been training. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That sort of. Right? So we'll we we'll clear on that? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. only if I've been drinking. If not, I mean, people always go straight for the arse. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a real arse person because it would be like all the stuff that's gone that's in and out. Yeah, you can get the arse out of it, it's just the connotation of it is a bit like... It's then, been on so many toilet seats. That's the thing, mm. right? And then, but the other thing, I, I would always figure that maybe the cods would be the obvious choice. That's why the cods would be like a steak. Yeah? That's kind of what figures to me. It's yeah. just the. It's not the horn. No, it's not the horn. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it makes sense that. But would it be very tough? Well, it depends how you prepare it. I would yeah. marinate it and then barbecue. I think I, I would want to be kebabbed. Wouldn't you? Really? Oh, hundred percent. Do not roast me or put gravy on me. I am being kebabbed and marinated. I, mm, okay. Because I was yeah. Because I thought that like if you just prep it in salt to break it up for a bit. Yeah, just power it. I mean, but the, you got to work out like that. If you are picturing it, if they did that, I suppose you kind of would. Yeah, yeah. It's a salted ham. Um, but like, it, it would suggest that if we are eating meat, that it was probably in desperate situations. I would hope. Um, or maybe I'm just not tested. As you ordain us to do so. Yeah, uh, quick guys, come on, mind. But um, I, we could kind of imply that maybe if it's got to the point of eating other humans, do you have the utensils to do a sort of like let's flambe, let's flambe? Well, it depends yeah, on how, how brutish you are on the food chain. If you're like head barbarian, then you're probably good. You have like a kitchen of orcs that you you barbarian give them the number toe, seven. <laughs> <laughs> you second toe, bring me the gravy, you know. Like, I'm a beta barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> beta cuck barbarian. <laughs> Pizza's there in the kitchen, scrubbing all the like. Well, but Jordan Pizza's just the pot wash. <laughs> One of these times I'll be head chef. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When, I, when, I, when I clean my room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a brave boy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Brave. Oh, there's one card. There's Can we one guess card. Which one it's going to be? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, do we have the lover? Or is that, um, that still seems to be the beauty. Though, isn't it? I don't know if you have the lover. We'll, we'll find out if it's. Well, let's find out. Okay. The sage. Sage. You are the sage. All right. Number thirty-one. Don't eat the bum. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. I got it. <laughs> An aged monk sits at his desk, making notes and sketches. All around him are the artifacts which symbolise ancient wisdom. This card stands for wisdom, learning or science. It, it is perhaps advising us to draw on the traditional store of wisdom that has come down through the ages. It stands for received authority, for family tradition, for prudence and professions. Seems like a very howl card. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, okay. Uh, Self-doubt is a thing, right? And your, your perception of you know, perception of oneself is always... Well, I suppose in some sense it should be challenging yourself. Uh, 
you know the, the, the trope of, you know, the, the, the jack of all trades is the full of it, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. My grandfather aspired that he, if he'd ever wanted to aspire to be something, it would be a polymath. Of just like really just excelling at absolutely everything that you turn your hand to. Um, I, I, I've sometimes become aware that the perception of me that has come about through extended conversation is that I seem to know a lot about things. I don't. It's more that I was taught, it was drummed into me, that no matter what, it, 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 everything always seems to somehow boil down to you're at a dinner party and you should do X, Y, or Z. Never make someone feel uh, uncomfortable or butted out of a conversation. If they are not being spoken to by someone on their right, you include them in your conversation. But as a rule, it's one course that way or one course that way, and that's generally accepted as what's formally nice and good. But it's, it was so very, very important to be able to converse with anyone at any level. So it would help to know a little bit about most things, kind of thing. And it's not that I'm there reading the almanac going, quick, quick, fuck, I don't know anything about how to make a sausage. You know, it's, it's, it's not that so much. I mean, I find a lot of things interesting. It's something that I just feel like, fuck, really? Are we talking about that? But in the hope that nobody is made to feel uncomfortable, you know, in any kind of conversant thing, I, I genuinely find people very interesting. And I do actually want to talk with them about what they find interesting because I find that so addictive that when you see someone genuinely fascinated by something, you know? Um, but... The, the, the side effect of it is some people think that, oh, okay, he knows, he knows loads of stuff. Kind of don't. I know enough to get by. <laughs> you know? I, I can't pull a lot, I'm shit at electronics. I've had to get a lot better because I was running a, co running a vape company and now working cameras. I'm suddenly finding myself, my God, I've, I've, I've just run a diagnostic in my head. <laughs> I've never done that before. You know? Um, so it's important to have a general but it does lead to this thing about the self-doubt of like you don't really know an awful lot you know periphery that you're able to say oh I do know the French name for something or other <laughs> so yeah. because yeah um, I, I mean obviously the, the concept of wisdom is a little bit of a odd one isn't it because people are sort of like yes he's very wise and, you know, but in what in what area you know there are now people who I think it gets bandied about possibly unduly but this whole business of oh he's on the spectrum whatever uh, is starting to become a sort of, um, well, it, it's, yeah, I don't, it's becoming a sort of like a uh, 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 hackneyed diagnosis that people are using. That I've heard it leveled against people who are just very interested in one thing. So it doesn't mean you necessarily, autism is, very, is, is, is a very serious condition, as we all know. You know so none of us in this room are exactly going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. it must be great to be autistic. No. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, someone, conversely, someone did, did one say something on Denmark Street, you know, when, when it was having all the guitar shops there. And oh, God, yes. Shadows are gone now. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. But uh, yeah, I was speaking to uh, one of the lovely fellows there who always used to bring to just to one place to get the guitar set up every time we record. Um, the, he said that, yeah, this was prior to people using the term always oh, on the spectrum as a general analysis you know, sort of thing. But he was saying that, yeah, it, it is quite an interesting trait that you'll see of people like people like Vi is that you look back at interviews about like, how did you get so good? And there's like, it's amazing to tell you, he'd be sitting on the loo and he'd be still running, eating food and running scales and everything like that. It's like, yeah, in other circumstances, this would warrant probably some quite good care. 
because that kid's like really to the point of distraction and it's like autism can be life ruining. I've met enough people who are autistic to be like, yeah, you just can't function properly because of this, the, the, the terribleness of the disorder. Um, but he was right in the way that, you know, people who just are able to devote so much time to one particular thing, the mechanics of learning something, is sort of like, yeah, I mean, that, is that wisdom? I don't know. I won't say that if you're sage, if you're anyway sagacious, that you, you have a worldly knowledge, which is a broad knowledge. It's not super, super refined. Why would you draw the line between intelligence and wisdom, then? Well, I th isn't it that someone said something, it's like the, that intelligence is the information, this wisdom is using it. Yeah, precisely. Um, the, and I, I, th I think it's certainly true. I think wisdom would in, imply that you have experience of what it, you know about. An understanding. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that, that, that's not to say that the, the great hermits, the people who, you know, seclude themselves away in a cave for God knows how long, come back and literally have the answer to the world. It's sort of like, yeah, you do on reflection for the very short period of time you experienced it. Know, um, but it doesn't mean that they weren't necessarily hyper-intelligent. Greek philosophers, you know, there's people saying, now, oh, those Greek philosophers, what did they know? They were just paid to be intelligent. <laughs> so it's such an idiotic, weird thing to say. But it's like, yeah, you can be, I mean, I, I, when I was working in law, for instance, um, I worked with an amazing lawyer who, uh, she was uh, educated in Dublin, you know, just beyond lettered, absolutely incredible. And I once watched her search for, I think, just a little around maybe 12 minutes for a folder that she was holding. So it kind of goes down to the thing of like, you can be worldly or intelligent or wise or all these different things, and they mean a different level of experience and where you're self-aware. I used to work in a university, and members of faculty were just bordering on that thing of, I don't quite think you can deal with humans, can you? You know? Yeah. But it was so vital to have them on the team because that, when they could occasionally function within a room with more than five people in it, what they would impart was fucking gold dust. <laughs> you know, so it's it, it's it's great that you've got this kind of like bit of art that you're seeing. I've seen that like uh, it, it shows a rather again the term anachronistic, but it, it shows this kind of assumed thing of like, oh, he's wise. He looks vaguely hermit-like, sort of, you know. And ecclesiastical, <laughs> which isn't necessarily. I mean, I've, I've, I've met some, some of the greatest wisdom I've ever heard have been from people who, like, uh, what do you call the roadside services people. And you can uh, make sense why they are, why they It's like you experience so many different, the broadest spectrum of humanity is because when your car is fucked, your car is <laughs> fucked. It doesn't care if you're a QC. <laughs> you know? Um, and that will change, by the way, because we heard about the thing, just as a side point, that you know that so many cars are being built now with integrated operating systems that are absolutely working from, you know, a modal PC base kind of thing. And that now a lot of manufacturers, such as Mercedes-Benz, I believe, I'm told, I'm not a big petrolhead, are part of their warranty legal terms, are that if anyone other than a registered BMW or Mercedes technician Open, gets into the OS and starts recalibrating, and you've avoided your warranty. That's fuck off. So, what yeah. does that then mean? Consider, I'm sure you already got there, but you know that, oh, let's say in this day and age, a woman is driving a car that she bought because it was safe. It mm -hmm. breaks down in the middle of a bad spill, and now she has, she can't call the IAA or RAC or whatever like that. She's got to wait for a fucking BMW tech to come in from wherever. Fix the car and uh, don't worry, your warranty's fine. No, not even a chance. 
things. That, that is, talk about in, ingrained obsolescence, but that there is really risky. It's no longer a machine, it's just a computer that operates bits of machinery. <laughs> Or maybe I'm just sounding like one of those, you know, the grandparent generation. Oh, you young whippersnappers back in my day, the cuss of maintenance, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, just hit the cuss. Just fucking hit it until it works, yes. you know? Yeah. Slap it about a bit. My, my, my great-grandfather, on my, my father's side, his, his, my, my grandfather's side, there you go, had a jack, and it had a dent in the uh, driver's side uh, door. A pronounced dent. I mean, the paint was definitely worn over. <laughs> and what it was, he used to smoke a pipe. And if you've ever smoked a pipe, when you have to retake, you have to tap it out. But he goes, oh, uh, bang! There's <laughs> a fucking great big dent in the side of it. Yeah, that's his car. And then it got to the end of that car's life, and it served him something stupid like 40 years. It's like, it's unheard of, right? And this thing was just tonk. But it was like, he was, it was having a few problems that the fuck became a bang, and all this stuff like that. And they, he got it into a, a, a garage, and they were like, um, you are paying insurance on this thing, of course. Were it to experience an accident, that would cost you less. And then the <laughs> of this car is like, oh, I get what you're saying. All right, okay. So he went into a country lane down in, in our, our bit of Kent. He was going, okay. And he was going to do the kind of automotive version of scuttling a car, essentially. Until, weirdly enough, s sm steam and then smoke started billowing from the bonnet. <laughs> it's like divine providence. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so he just kind of like, oh shit, wow parked up at the side of this very, very rural lane. And then just kind of like, looked at it for a bit and went, okay, well it's a jack, the old ones are all metal, and it's like sheet metal, so if you touch it, you, you burn, okay? Yeah. So he's like, brilliant. He just went and just sat on the grass verge the other side and just watched it burn until suddenly he was just about to go into a proper bit of fire. Huge body of water comes over and just puts the whole thing out. A local far uh, farmer had seen that this gradual smoke was getting worse and worse and worse. And had got a JCB, uh, you know, the, the what do you call the digger scooper things, filled with a trough of water. Wow. And did it over a hedge and went, and put the fucking car up. I was like, no, <laughs> no, please. I mean, lovely of the farmer to do that. It's true chaos of the wheels, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn you, chaos! Give me my fucking car back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how I got to that. Well, there you are, fixing cars. Did he get the insurance? No, this is the... Well, I mean, back in the 50s and 60s, it was sort of a little different that, you know... You'd, oh, sorry, a little bit like the 70s, it was kind of like... You could tip the wink to someone and be like, you know, it kind of is fucked, isn't it? <laughs> so he didn't get a huge amount from it. It wasn't a huge payoff, but it was more that, like, to have got... even got rid of the car to dispose of it, it would have been like... Yeah. Oh, man, it's going to cost you so much. It's weird, isn't it, that you can buy something for that many thousands of pounds and after a while you've got to pay someone to take it away. <coughs> That's just, wow. You've got to pay someone for having paid for the thing. It's double taxing again. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you, you go your whole life and then you die and you, people have to pay for it. It's strange, it's very strange. But anyway, the cards. Mm. So you have your compass, the money is the centre. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of stuff that's about heritage. You've got the tree, you've got the coins in the ground, you've got the father and death. <laughs> you've got that. You've got the libido, you've got the wheel, the things turning, seasons going. Um, yeah, the wheel of life. That's, mm. that's you. This is your life. <laughs> this is your life, my <laughs> 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 But do you, 
I don't know if you remember the show. This is I vaguely remember a book. Yeah, I remember. And I remember an old yeah. man and him going, "This is your life." Yeah. That's what I remember. Uh, one of my earliest memories being on it. You were on it. Yeah. You for, were on for, it for my grandfather. Oh, okay, that makes oh, sense. Oh, your grandfather had one. Yeah. Right. And uh, one of the things, if you remember, I don't know how much you'd remember necessarily of it, but. One of the things was that it was supposed to be a lovely surprise. Ah, oh, here is your, your cousin family. Maureen that you haven't seen for 17 minutes. And then it's like the two huge doors would be like, yeah. oh, how lovely to see you. Because fuck off, everyone knows. It's just nice for the viewers. Okay. So the two doors, like fucking Star Trek, thing. And behind it, they'd have a fucking enormous printout of the photo that it concerns, yes? Uh. Kezia and I, Kezia is my cousin, where she's two months old. And uh, <laughs> we stood there, and we were supposed to be dressed in a particular thing, and we would go on and we would recite uh, some lines from Romeo and Juliet. And we were five. Yeah. Okay, so we did this. Oh. But in the waiting bit... On TV? Yeah. Wow. We, so we're, we're, we're waiting. At this, we didn't know about the huge, huge fucking great, massive two doors that goes, you know. And we're sort of waiting there. And all we have in front of us is just a massive picture of Grandpa. It's fucking enormous, which means his nose is this big. And we're like, ha ha, ha ha, ha Grandpa's nose is huge. Ha ha. Romeo, Romeo. Yeah, that was a weird experience. As a five-year-old, five six. Having two massive doors partners, a shit ton of people, and loads of cameras and lights, pointing. Oh, this is what it's like. Ah! <laughs> 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 yeah. It's yeah. a formative experience mm. for sure. Yeah. What was the name of the presenter? I can't remember. Well, it, it was Michael Aspel at the end of it. Ah, uh, but yeah, um, the first guy was. Oh, that's embarrassing because he was the most. That's terribly embarrassing. He died, and then Michael Aspel took over. Yeah. Um, it's isn't it fascinating? that it does that. I'm really, I'm still slightly, I need to look into more about what inversion does necessarily, or what it represents, but I suppose it's very subjective, isn't there it? There is a book if you want to go and read all the things. Oh, hell, right. um, I haven't actually read it. I, right. just, I have it in case someone's like, tell me more, and mm. there's like chapters on every single card. I used to cast runes oh, cool. uh, back in the day. My little dalliance with paganism, <laughs> which didn't last terribly long, but I tried that, and uh, I mean, cool. But as a thirteen-year-old, bringing that at the house parties was like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why have you got these pebbles with gold writing on it in a purple satin sack? Want to be like a chakra? What the fuck is a chakra? Why don't you drink your whiskey?" <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I, I certainly used to do that. But it's the, 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 the subjective nature of it is, is, you do see people sometimes go, oh "My God, that's so true." <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to, I like. I think it's definitely a union thing. I think we all see symbols, and we all often see the same symbols, similar symbols, similar archetypes. I think they all mean something to each individual. Mm. It's totally valid. Dream interpretation is something that I thought fell foul of recently because I have some very close friends, and occasionally I, I I dream of them because they're close to me and everything like that. And one of them is this very very wise um, person, who, despite being <laughs> almost like. Well, she's eight years my junior. Seems like she's two hundred years old and sort of has known all humanity for all type things. You know, there's some people who just happen to have that quality to them. And so she bent my mind over loads of things quite a lot. So it means I dream a lot, and you know, I kind of got it's something of narcissism to it that you wake up having had what is to you mammothly profound dream time. 
I'm literally wake up and I'm like, fire to Laura, seriously dude, what the fuck? I had this dream and like, you were a dog and then it turned all pink. And then it is. <laughs> and of course, for me, for quite some time, I couldn't really work out that her response was like, <laughs> okay, and it's like, what you've just done. It's like, imagine being on the receiving end of it. You're just like, beep, uh, what? What the fuck are you talking about? It's like, it's so profound, man. So <laughs> like, oh, what are you talking about? It was so weird. But yeah, so. Mm. Like you just have to rein it back with dreams. <laughs> you know? I, I think some people have some really entertaining dreams. You yeah. had an entertaining one this week about oh, yeah. Christ and the about, yeah. about. It was. Uh, God, I can't even remember it. I it think was... it was maybe something about. Um, oh God, I can barely remember it now. This is so entertaining. But it was something about um, us going on stage with rotting Christ and not knowing any of the music. It was no. It was me, Nina, went on stage with Dave the Stain performing oh. um, a rotten Christ cover set. And I freaked out and got stage fright in the dream because I was thinking, fuck, I don't know any Greek. <laughs> and yeah, oh, it was dude. bizarre. Oh, it was downstairs, it was in the shop. Oh, it was in the shop? I thought yeah. it was at Bloodstock. And it kind of morphed into it once you, you know, there's that thing in dreams where locations just completely Very much. change. I, I absolutely have recurring nightmares and dreams every night. I mean, it's always a nightmare of some sort. And I don't mean that I go, oh, life is a nightmare. <laughs> It just happens. I have and a dreaming disorder. I can relate to. Yeah, that. right. So yeah. you, yeah, right. So it's got night terrors and everything like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so often they, they can sometimes go between. It's either acting or music. That it's like I'll be like, dude, you're on in five. What? Yeah. I'm wearing my glasses. I need another hair. What songs are we playing? Who's the president? <laughs> you know, so it, like it's really fucked. And like there will be a Shakespeare and Kenneth Branagh is directing. Like, yeah. isn't oh. it great that you've done? Are you finally? You finally got that? What play is it? <laughs> what? But you don't know. You haven't learned your lines. What fucking lines? <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. So yeah, definitely that. Mm -hmm. Performing anxiety, I think. Yeah. I usually get like at the moment I have one pretty much every night where I'm on my phone. I have to try and call the police because there's like a fire or a murder. And I'm like trying to type nine nine nine. It's like uh, no. <laughs> 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 this won't work. It's deleting. Oh he's, he's going back and I'm like, no, it's like when you've got water on the screen. Yeah. And then suddenly I forget what I'm doing. I'm like, wait, there's a fire. <laughs> I'm not like uh, that. So yes. My father has a lot of phone. You know that if you press, even if your phone's locked, if you press the right thing long enough, it It'll means you the emergency. Okay? Yeah. yeah. You've done it. No. Not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because maybe it's just his phone. I don't know or the, the payment plan that you have. But suddenly, at like half eleven at night, all of us got this message like, "You are listed as an emergency contact for Derek." Oh Blair. my god! Um, he is in here's his location, and Beth just white as a sheet. Like, oh, and he just sat there wrong. He just like messaged basically his entire. Sure, oh, that's crazy. Of being like, "This is where this man is. He's in trouble." <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not not a good moment. Wow. Uh, so don't do it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, well done. Thank you for coming. Not at all. It's a pleasure. That's great fun. No, it's, it's, I didn't expect it to have this alignment, and it, that's, that's, it's been sincerely actually very interesting. Oh, absolutely.